This is the smartest thing you've ever done, signing up to this course. Gentlemen, I would say ladies and gentlemen, and there might be the old lady here, but probably gentlemen, this is the smartest thing you've ever done. So I'm gonna tell you some shit that you need to hear. So before we start, the most important thing, obviously, regarding anything you do in your life is your mindset. And that's the first lesson about this, it's the G mindset. You know, a lot of people message me saying, why did you call it G course? You could have called it something more serious, da da da. No, I like that name, I like, I like G. That's what it is, it's a G mindset. We're gonna learn something about ourselves, we're gonna learn something about how, you, how do you view the world. Because in reality, how you view the world absolutely and utterly shapes how you react to the world, how you act in the world, how people view you. It's all down to how you view things. There's very few things in this life we actually have any control over. I learned all of the lessons I'm gonna be teaching you the hard way. I didn't learn them in a course, so you guys are very, very lucky. I learned all this shit the absolute hard way. I came from absolutely nothing. There's a lot of rumors circulating online that, you know, my father was a world level chess player and that I got a lot of money from him and I came from a rich family, etc., etc. Absolutely not the case. My dad was uh, a G, a straight G. He was in the military. He was based in England in the Air Force. My dad was actually recruited into the CIA. He was a spy. Now he's, he's dead. I'm, I'm happy to say that. Uh, so my father worked for the intelligence services. He was based in England. He met my mom, a uh, pretty little white thing. He's a big black dude. So back then, that was, that was a taboo. He, he grabbed her, took her, to, took her back to America with him. Uh, three beautiful offspring, me being the, the oldest. Uh, and then he continued with his life of being a G, which is pimping hoes and playing chess at world level and traveling, and traveling the earth. He never had any large financial sums. He certainly didn't leave me a penny. Um, he didn't have anything to leave. So all he left me with was with a mindset, and that mindset was enough that allowed me to build the life I wanted to build. My father never wanted to be fiscally rich. He never gave a shit about being rich. He cared about other things. If he wanted to be rich, he would have been extremely rich. Um, and I personally decided I wanted to be rich, and all of the lessons that I'm gonna be putting in this course, a lot are from him, and a lot are from experiences of growing up poor, growing up in a single mother household, growing up in social housing, uh, the projects in England. Uh, when my mother and father split, I was nine years old, I went to England. Um, becoming a world-level athlete, uh, and now becoming a self-made multimillionaire. So all of these lessons I've learned absolutely the hard way. And if you disagree with anything in this video, that is your prerogative. But I can absolutely assure you, I know what I'm fucking talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I've lived an extreme life. There's a lot of people online who give out advice, that's fine. But I've lived an extreme life, more extreme than most. I have been in a single mother, my mum crying because she can't pay the bills, broke as a joke. I've been a multimillionaire. I've been a nobody, I've been uh, famous, I've been a world level athlete, I've, I've started from nothing with a point where I had to run to the gym because I didn't even have a car to get there. I've done it all, so I've, I've, I've lived a very extreme life and this is where these lessons come from. So when I talk about G mindset, G mindset is absolutely and utterly the most important thing. This is actually quite funny. Uh, a girl I was dating once, she said to me, you know, you remind me of RuPaul. And RuPaul is a famous fucking drag queen. So that's not very good. I was like, why? She goes, because he has a saying. He said, I always knew I was famous. I had to wait for the rest of the world to catch up. And she goes, you have the same mindset. And she said this to me before I had nothing because I told everyone I'm going to be world champion years before I even had a British title, before I even had an English title. I just started fighting. And I was like, oh, I'm the next world champion. Yeah, yeah. And just, just, I just started saying it, but I said it with genuine conviction. I knew I would be the best. I genuinely knew I would be the best. You have to understand that this world, everyone constantly tells you, do not be arrogant. Do not have an ego. 
when I had my Twitter, I, I put my ego into overdrive because I found it entertaining. But people will constantly tell you to, to not talk in a way which is full of conviction. They, people do not like you to have, be arrogant and have an ego. This is the worst thing ever. Let me tell you the fact, number one facet of a G mindset. Your life is never gonna be worse if you walk through the world believing you are the fucking man. You wake up, you look in the mirror and go, I'm the, I'm, a, I'm the fucking man. I am the man. There's no one on this planet who can do shit I couldn't do if I put my mind to it. I don't give a fuck how good you are at piano. If I decide to play piano, I would be better than you at piano. And I believe that. I don't just say these things, I fucking believe them. And when you go through life believing you really, really are the man, there are very few downsides. The downsides are everyone's gonna call you an arrogant, everyone's gonna call you arrogant, everyone's gonna call you a dickhead, everyone's gonna say he has a big ego. You're gonna lose a few loser friends, who cares? What you are gonna gain is other people on the same path. You're gonna gain other people who think, yeah, well, I'm the fucking man too, this guy's the man, let's make some money. That's what's gonna happen. So the first thing you can do with your G mindset is you need to start believing you are the fucking man. Even if you're not the man yet, even before I was world champion, I knew I was gonna be the man. So I don't give a fuck. And I was happy to say that to anybody. When people called me arrogant and stupid and deluded, I just sit there and look at them and say, yeah, fuck you, I'm gonna be the man. And this is how now, when my life's kind of come full circle, this is quite interesting. I'll tell you a very quick story. When I was 19, I think I had a sales job and I had to drive, uh, I had to drive down to a sales meeting to try and sell some advertising. I had a really old shitty car. No, I must, I must have been older than 19. I was about 21. I had this old shit car and I'm driving. And as I'm driving my car and I couldn't afford to have it fixed, I had a bump in the front. The front was all fucking caved in. So I had to park it away from the sales meeting and then walk to the sales meeting. So I'm driving this car. Anyway, pull up next to me at the lights, red light, pull up next to me. In a fucking Tuesday morning, 10 o'clock, music blasting. Drop top Aston Martin with a Swedish number plate. Some fucking dude about 30 with a hot blonde next to him. And I remember looking at him thinking, who, how, who the fuck's this guy? Like, here I am with my broken car on my way to fucking do a shit job. I can't afford to fix my car. This guy is from fucking Sweden and he's just driven to England and he's got a Swedish plate and he's got this hot bitch and he's got music pumping and he's on his way to have lunch. Like, where the fuck did my life go wrong? I want to be like that guy. And, and I think this every single time I live in Romania now, now I drive around Romania in my fucking Lamborghini or my Aston Martin or my Ferrari or my Bentley, whichever one I decide to drive. And they all have English number plates and I always have a girl with me and people look at me and people are giving me the exact same look I gave that guy. People look at me like, who the fuck's this in guy from England who just drove here from England? I'm standing at the bus stop about to go to work and this guy's got a quarter of a million dollar car and a hot bitch on his way to have lunch with music blaring. And the reason I managed to, to, to go full circle is those small events in my life, seeing someone else with more success than me, ingrained in my brain. And to a lot of people, it doesn't ingrain in their brain. I was walking to school. If I was walking to, to college with my friends, I used to have to walk. I went to a college on the other side of town. So I had to walk 4.6, 4 I think it was, fucking miles to college. It was a fucking nightmare. So I used to walk, walk, walk. Halfway, I meet some other people. Then down towards the end, there'd be a group of five or six of us along the way. And when I met, and one day a Ferrari burnt past us, and everyone else was like, oh yeah, Ferrari. I'm like, and I remember saying to the group, I was only 18, I said, doesn't it annoy you that this guy has a fucking 300,000 pound car and, and will probably never have one? And they're like, oh yeah, it's only a car. I'm like, no, you don't understand. There is a life hack. There's something happening where people are living lives that other people don't get to live. There's something happening, there's something going on. I want to have a 300,000 pound car, I want it. And no one else wanted it. These little events didn't ingrain in their brain. A Ferrari driving past me bothered me, and it bothered me to my core to the point where I decided I would do anything it takes to have one. 
Whereas other people just saw it and carried on with their normal lives. This is the reason I have six or seven supercars and other people don't. Because these small events ingrained in my brain. So this is the second thing. G mindset. First thing you have to believe you're the fucking man, you can achieve anything. And when I say that, I don't want, I'm going to say that again. You have to believe you're the fucking man and you have to believe you can achieve anything. I'm not saying you can achieve anything easily. I'm not saying it's not going to take a whole bunch of work. I'm not saying it's going to happen quickly. But you have to believe you can achieve anything. I'll tell you something now. I don't give a fuck if it's being an astronaut. I don't care about climbing Mount Everest. You give me enough time to train, I will get it done. I know that for a fact because I know who I am as a man. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you need to be perspicacious. You need to understand that in this world, there's a whole bunch of people doing amazing shit that you are not doing. And that needs to piss you off. Because if it pisses you off, you become motivated all of a sudden. I was the only one who was pissed off when that Aston Martin was next to me and I had my sales job. I was the only one who was pissed off when I saw that Ferrari drive past. Other people were not annoyed by it. And they're not annoyed by it. They're not driven to beat it. You understand? They're not driven to be where that person was. You need to be annoyed and... I'm telling you, I'm telling you to be angry. Anger is a fantastic force. Like I said, the world tells you not to be arrogant, it tells you not to be angry. It's two things it tells you to do. Don't be arrogant, don't have an ego, and you know, you don't have anger. You're a fucking man, you're a full grown man. It's perfectly fine for you to be pissed off. It's perfectly fine for you to look around at your life, look at the girl you're fucking, look at the house you live in, look at the car you drive, and get pissed off and go, you know what, I want a hotter bitch, I want a fucking nicer house, I want a faster car. There's nothing wrong if you take that anger and you direct it in the correct direction. This is the reason I stopped fighting now. People go, why do you stop fighting us? Because I fought and I went through hell to get everything I now have. I had nothing when I fought. I had nothing. And I wanted the life I now have. Now I wake up in one of my three mansions with one of my seven supercars and one of my 15 women. What do I need to fight for? Like, people have different motivations for different things. There's some fighters out there who fight for other reasons, you know? But my motivation was I was pissed off at the world. And now I'm not as angry as I used to be, so I don't believe I'm as good a fighter as I used to be. I'll still whoop some ass, but I'm not as good as I used to be. So that's why I've decided to retire early. <coughs> but this is the second thing. So the first thing, believe you're the man. Second thing, you need to get angry about your situation. If you've bought this course and you're watching it and you're sitting there, right now you're watching it and you look around you and you don't own the home you're in, get pissed off. If there ain't a Ferrari on your drive, get pissed off. If you don't have 10 Playboy Bunny level beauties, get pissed off. And well, what the fuck, you need to sit there and realize, whoa, 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 I have a few years of consciousness, and even less than that, I have a few short years as a young man, because age will damage you. I mean, if you're a millionaire when you're 60, it's not nearly as good as being a millionaire at my age. I became a millionaire at 28. So you need to realize you've got a few short years as a young man, you're fucking wasting them. You need to sit there and go, fuck, shit, get angry. Because getting angry, forced, directed anger is an extremely powerful force. These are the first two things you need to do for a G mindset. This is the third thing, and this is a very, very important thing, because I try and explain this to people and they don't seem to understand it, so I'm going to make this very, very blunt. Nobody, absolutely nobody, gives a fuck about you as much as you're going to have to give a fuck about yourself. Nobody cares about you as much as they need to care to fix your life. Even your parents, even your friends, even all the people who think they care about you, they care about you, yeah, sure, there may be two or three people on the planet who genuinely care about you, but nobody is gonna come to your bed, drag you out of bed, fucking drag you to a job, force you to work hard, go and get you a hot bitch, and go and buy you a Ferrari. Nobody is going to do that for you. You are never gonna have any of the things you want if you do not get them yourself. Nobody cares about you enough to do it for you. This is absolutely true. Personally, I'm an atheist. 
And when I say I'm an atheist, people say, people seem to be a bit confused by this. I don't know why that surprises people, but I'm absolutely and utterly an atheist. And the reason I'm an atheist is because I believe that there is no grand plan. There's no God in the sky looking out for me. I don't believe that there's anyone here to save me on this planet or in, in the sky or anywhere else. I am me. I was born. I have, maybe if I'm lucky, 70, because I'm, I'm quite big. When you're physically large, you die sooner. 70 years of consciousness. And these years I experienced, the only person who's going to make them fun and exciting and interesting, the only person who's going to make me happy and live a life that I want to live is me. Nobody's going to do it for me. No God has a plan for me. There's no one else who wakes up each day and goes, you know what? I want to make Andrew Tate's life better. I want to get him more pussy and more money. No one thinks that about me. No one thinks that about you either. Nobody thinks that about you. The only person who gives a shit about your life truly is you. And if you don't give a shit, then you're fucked. But point two, get angry. You're going to start giving a shit very soon. And after you get angry, you need to realize that nobody is going to give you the things you want. It doesn't matter if Donald Trump is president or not. I'm a huge Trump fan, but it doesn't make a difference. No politician is going to make you rich. No one else is going to come along and say, I'm going to concentrate my effort on fixing your life. Nobody. You have to understand you are out here alone, absolutely alone. And when you understand these three things, you start to see how a mindset comes together. Nobody's going to save you. You're fucked. It's totally down to you. You're pissed off with your current situation and you want to change it. Plus, you believe you can do absolutely anything. This is how I thought at 18 years old. This is how I achieved so much in the short years. This is how I went from a nobody to a world-level athlete and a multimillionaire. Also, people confuse the two. Kickboxing is not boxing. I made, in, in, across my entire career in kickboxing, maybe about 700,000. I, I now have about eight or nine million. This was not made in kickboxing. This was made in other ventures. I have managed to be a world-level athlete and an extremely successful businessman at exactly the same time. Because at a very young age, when I had my prime resource of energy and power at 18, 19 years old, I understood those three tenets. I believe I can do anything. I'm pissed off I don't have the life I want. And nobody else is going to give it to me. These are three things you need to understand. If any one of these elements is missing, you'll never have the right mindset. The G mindset will never formulate if any one of these elements is missing. All three are absolutely essential. And the sooner you get your act together, the sooner you start to panic and worry and be concerned that you're 24, 25, you're not fucking rich yet. There's 24 and 25 year olds out there who got a contract for a fucking NBA or their parents or they won the lottery, who knows what. There's 24 and 25 year olds out there who are multimillionaires fucking the hot models. These Instagram girls with 3 million followers, they're getting dicked by someone and it ain't you. And that needs to piss you off. You need to get concerned, you need to get worried, you need to, shit, I'm running out of time. You need to get some urgency in your life. Put these three things together, it's absolutely essential. This is the beginning of the G mindset. When you have these things, three things totally done, I'll tell you what happens. I'll tell you what happened for me. So I became a sayer. So my brother used to say, you've become a sayer. And what that means is I made a pact to him that my word was unbreakable, strength and honor. And that if I said something, I meant it. So I'd wake up in the morning and I'd say to my brother, I'm doing a thousand press-ups today. Once I said it, once I spoke it, it's like, like a genie it became true. If I said I was gonna do a thousand press-ups, I'd do them. Because if I didn't do them, I'd feel guilty within myself that I was the kind of person who talks shit. Because G's don't talk shit. So the three tenets we've already learned, when you've instilled these in your mind, you don't wanna be the kind of person who talks shit. So if I woke up to my brother and said, I'm doing a thousand press-ups or I'm running 20 miles today, I would do it. Because if I didn't do it, I'd feel like a dickhead. 
Because when you instill these mindsets, when, you're, when your mindset changes, you start to be extremely accountable for yourself. No one's coming to save you. You become extremely accountable. So when you realize that your word is one of the few things you have on this planet, if you say things, you're going to start sticking to them. So then it becomes very easy to train. You say, I'm going to train every day this week. I'm going to train for two hours a day. As soon as you set it, it's basically done. If I say something, it's basically done. It's, it's set in stone. If I say something, I'm going to do it. There's no way I'm going to say, I'm going to make, say some words and speak them into existence in this, on this planet. And then I'm going to be the kind of pussy who quits because it's too hard. If I say I'm going to do 10,000 push-ups, I'm going to do it. Because I'm the kind of person who sticks to the words he says. And this is another thing you need to understand with the G mindset. You have to be very, very specific with what you say. Because if you instill your mindset correctly and you start to just say things, just start saying things. Then you hold yourself accountable. Say things you don't even think you want to do. Wake up and go up to your friend or your mom or whoever and say, you know what? I'm going to do a thousand push-ups today. Say it to people. And they're going to say, no, you're not. So watch me. And then you have a choice. You're either going to succeed like a G or you're going to be a little pussy. And you're going to quit at 310 because it's hard. What kind of man are you? That's a decision you need to make. But if you're the kind of man I was, I'd say shit and I'd fucking stick to it. My brother said, you become a sayer. I used to train with my brother. He'd say, let's do 500. I'd say, let's do 2,000. He'd say, well, you've said it now, so we have to do it. I was like, exactly. I said it now, so now we have to do it. There is no surrender. I, we have to do it. This is another facet of the G mindset. This is number four. You've got to start saying shit, and your word has to be iron, unbreakable. This translates across everything in life. It's not just training. It translates across everything in life, even relationships. I say to my girlfriend, stop fucking with me or you're out the house. Men say that all the time in arguments, and then they continue to argue for two hours. They'll say that, and then they'll argue. If I say that, and she continues to talk shit, I start throwing her shit out the fucking door, because I said it. And if I say something, I mean it. If I look a man in his eyes and say, I'm gonna whoop your ass, shut up, and he continues to talk, I have to kick his ass. I'm careful with what I say. If I tell him to shut up and he doesn't shut up, that's a different thing. If I say shut up or I'm gonna whoop your ass and he continues to talk, I will fuck him up. Because I'm the kind of person, if I say something, I mean what I say. I'm specific with my language, and I mean every word I speak. This is another tab. This is number four. You have to start meaning every word you speak. You say to someone, I'm going to get rich. You better fucking do it. Otherwise, you're a liar. You're a liar, and you're a little bitch. If you say, I'm going to put some muscle on, you better fucking do it. You say, I'm going to lift this weight, you better fucking do it. You say, I'm going to go get this girl, you better go get her. You gotta be the kind of person who says things and means them. You promise a guy you're gonna whoop his ass, you better whoop his ass. Don't be a person. 99% of the people out here talk shit. They say things they half mean or things they don't mean. If I say something, I fucking mean it. And this is number four. This is the fourth element. You've heard the first three. This is number four. Everything you say, you must mean. And once you implement that correctly, then you get the ability to motivate yourself to no end. You get unlimited motivation because all you have to do is find the energy to say it. You find the energy to say it, then you have to do it. It's literally that easy. I'd wake up in the morning and say, Tristan, we're running 20 miles today. And you'd say, oh, for fuck's sake. That's nearly a marathon. I'm like, yep, let's go. It doesn't matter, it takes all fucking day. I said it. And if I say something, it has to happen. This is the fourth tenet and one of the most important ones because that is the power to unlimited motivation. And that's the power to be taken seriously across all spheres of your life. Be specific with your language. I was in a restaurant the other day, some guy was arguing with his girlfriend. They were talking shit, and he's like, you better be quiet, you better be quiet. He kept saying you better be, but there was no threat at the end of it. I didn't really like that. Like, if you're gonna make a threat, make a fucking threat, idiot. But 
my point is, he's trying to make a threat, but he has no threat at the end because it's empty and the bitch is ignoring him. All these things translate across your entire sphere. Or if you say to a girl or a guy, you better be quiet or else, and then you don't follow through, they're going to remember that shit. Even on a subconscious level, they're going to remember that shit, and your word's going to be devalued. My word has value. Literally, I can go into, let's say, the Ferrari dealership, I get my car stolen. I can say, I'll pay you tomorrow, and shake his hand. He'll give me the car. He knows me. I can go and get my car fixed and say, I'll be back on Monday, I've got something to sort out. He'll shake my hand. I don't lie. If I say I'll be back on Monday and I don't have money on Monday, I'll rob a bank to make sure I have money on Monday because I fucking said I'd be there to pay. This is the kind of person you need to be. So these are the first four elements to the G mindset. And when these sound like simple things, but to implement them correctly, truly and correctly in your mind will change your entire view of the world. You will start to look at everything completely differently. When you implement these four things correctly, when you say, if I say something, I'm gonna do it, my word is iron-willed. When you say that nobody is ever coming to save me, ever. When you say that I'm pissed off, I don't have the life I want to have. And you couple that with, I believe I can do anything. If you truly believe all of these four things, it's going to change your entire view of this planet. I'll wrap up quickly with probably my most famous tweet when I had Cobra tape. They, they verified me and everything, and I spoke too much truth, though, so I had to go. When my, my most famous tweet was when I said depression wasn't real. And I had A-list celebrities. I had the girl from Game of Thrones. I had fucking, literally A-list guys. Because who's that dude from No Country from old, for Old Men? And he was a bad guy in Bond as well. I actually quite liked him as an actor until he came for me. I was having arguments with all these people. And everyone's telling me how, how dangerous my mindset is. What is dangerous about believing that you control your own mind? Because if you implement the four things I've just told you, depression becomes, a, becomes garbage. Depression's not a thing anymore. Feeling depressed is real. You can be depressed with your situation. I just told you, number two, get depressed, that's fine. But believing you can fix it yourself is the important key. Sitting there believing that depression is some monster from the sky that strikes your brain and now you have no control over it and you must take pills every day is the absolute enemy to a G mindset. I don't give a fuck how depressing my situation. The only person who can change it is me. The only person who can change how I feel about my situation or try and affect the situation directly is me. Even if you put me in a situation I can't change, if you put me in jail and I'm depressed because I'm in jail, I still refuse to succumb to depression. I refuse to collapse mentally and give up. I know the only person who can control my mind is me. Nobody's coming to save me. No doctor with a pill is coming to save me. Depression isn't real. Depression is a state of mind designed to motivate you to find a life that doesn't depress you any further. That's all it is. Now you have to decide, are you man enough to go and get it done or are you gonna sit around and cry? And depression, the reason I talk about depression a lot is because depression in the Western world is to cure all. It's to cure all excuse. This is what people are using. My life's shit because I'm depressed. No, you're depressed because your life is shit. It's the other way around and you're refusing to acknowledge that and you wanna sit there and live a shit life and pretend that some disease has struck you. And the reason you know that's bullshit, anyone out there who's depressed, I'll tell you something, you're not depressed, you're a coward. And the reason you're a coward is as follows. You desperately try to defend this crippling ailment you have. When I tell you depression isn't real, you message me pages and pages, desperate to convince me I'm wrong, that depression is a real thing, and that your life is terrible, and this ailment has destroyed your life because you're desperate to defend your excuse. If depression was really terrible, you wouldn't want to defend it. If depression was really so bad, and I'm telling you it's not real, and I know how to fix you, 
And if you implement a mindset like mine, you become immune to depression. If depression was so terrible, you'd listen to me and think, I need to try what this guy does. I need to do if, if he's immune to depression, it's impossible to depress him. I need to be like this man. But instead, no, you don't want to do that. You want to call me names and sit and defend this ailment because you know it's garbage. It's your excuse. It's your blanket. It's your shield. It's your excuse you get to pull out every time you look at your failure of a life. And that's why depression is absolutely and utterly not real. And anyone who's bought this course who thinks they're depressed, I'll tell you something now. Drop that coward bullshit. If you're watching this and you're depressed, drop and give me 200 press-ups. Do 200 press-ups. Look in the mirror. Look in the, your eyes and tell yourself you're the fucking man and drop that garbage because you can get absolutely nowhere in your life if you believe in that crap. Depression absolutely isn't real. And you're going to say this to people and they're going to fucking go nuts at you. And they're going to call you arrogant and they're going to call you all the things they called me. But your life is going to be a life worth living. Implement the four things I've told you. The four important tenets of a G mindset. Understand, nobody's coming to save you. Depression isn't real. You'll change your entire worldview once these four things are implemented correctly. And then we can move on to everything else. Right, we've been over the mindset. The mindset, the four tenets of the mindset are believe you can do absolutely anything. Two, be pissed off you haven't done it yet. Three, absolutely nobody is coming to save you. And four, your word has to be iron-willed and use that for unlimited motivation. This is about body language. I like to look at humans from an evolutionary standpoint. I like to look at us as a species because like I said, I'm an atheist. I do not believe that God put us here. We're, no special. we're not special. We're no different than any other animal here. Okay, we're more intelligent, but there's always going to be a smartest. You know, we're not the fastest or the strongest or anything else. So we're an animal species. And if you look at humans uh, from that perspective and you look at men, males, and I'm assuming, like I said previously, most of you are men, males for a very long period of time had a very physical role. Our role was combatants. Our role was a combative role. Our role was to protect or to destroy or to dominate or to conquer. This was a male's role. So in the modern society where we pretend physicality isn't important and we deny physicality and people say it doesn't matter. It absolutely does matter for, because since the dawn of human time, my favorite saying that everyone mocks me for, since the dawn of human time, for 95% of our existence, a man's role was primarily a physical role. So physicality is extremely important. And when you're looking at body language, it's quite difficult to have the body language of an alpha. What is an alpha? Let me diverse quickly. What is an alpha? If you look in the, a lion's pride, who's the alpha? The alpha is the biggest, strongest lion. This is, this is the alpha. The alpha is the badass. So can you mimic the body language of a biggest, longest, strongest lion? Yeah, of course. But if you're not the biggest, strongest lion, you know, it's not as easy to pull off and someone might call your bluff. So this is actually a very easy video. Body language is down to your physicality as a whole. Uh, the body language of a G is a combative body language. I'm not saying you walk through life like this, like looking for a fight, not at all. But you have to have a presence about you, whereas you're not an easy target. It's quite funny actually, because when you're a fighter, you can spot other fighters a mile off. Like, and it's not just big muscly guys. Like you can put me in a room with and 30 guys who go to the gym who are fitness experts can come in and walk through. And if one of them is a high level combatant, if one of them is a, a professional fighter like me, I can, I can tell by the way he moves, probably the same way a dancer can sense another dancer. I can sense another fighter. And it's something instinctual. It's something I can't even tell you how I do it. I can just tell by the way someone moves if they can fight or if they can't fight. Doesn't matter, they can have the best body in the world. They can be ripped, da, da, da. But it's the way they move. I know, I've seen guys who don't have a body like that and I can sense it. 
And I've seen guys who are built like that and I could just tell it, they would crumble. It really is an amazing thing. And I think this is something that you become more tuned into, more honed on when you're a fighter yourself, but it's obviously something that humans naturally possess. We naturally possess the ability to spot another male and think, that guy's a dangerous guy. So I can tell you tips and tricks in an attempt to mimic the body language of a dangerous person, or you can become a dangerous person. This course is not a shortcut course. This is not tips and tricks. This is not bullshit. This is about how to become a G, how to become a genuine ass, a genuine male of substance. And to become a genuine male of substance, you need to know how to fight. It's very difficult to be a G if you're going through life and you crumble at, at, at physical confrontation. Because when you get to a certain point in your life, you will encounter physical confrontations. If you're gonna go and travel the world and drive fast cars and wear expensive things and attempt to fuck beautiful women all over this planet, sooner or later you're going to attract negative intention from either jealous men or an ex-boyfriend or a brother or who fu a fucking robber who wants your car, who knows? Are you really a G if you mimic every single as aspect of a high quality man and then when that situation happens, you, you fold? No, of course you're not. You need to learn how to fight. I don't need to teach you how to fight. I don't need to sit here in this course and say, do this, do that. I don't need to teach you any of that because you can go, and it doesn't matter what city you are on earth, there's an MMA class or there's a boxing class that will teach you how to fight. You need to dedicate substantial periods and, 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 and portions of your time to learning how to fight. You need to get hit, you need to have your ass kicked. You need to learn how to kick someone's ass. And this is absolutely essential to one, the mindset, and two, the physicality. Firstly, mindset-wise, fighting is a, is a brilliant thing because fighting is 100% accountable. Even if you play soccer, for example, even if your team wins, maybe you didn't do very much, or maybe you kicked the ball and the wind helped you, who knows? But fighting, if you got punched in the face, you didn't move. And if you punched him in the face, you threw your hand. In fighting, we always say there's no such thing as a lucky punch, and it's true. You know, I, if I dedicate my life to learning how to punch, and then I knock someone out, is it a lucky punch? No, I knocked him out, that's what, that's what I've been training to do. No such thing as a lucky punch. So, mindset-wise, it's perfect for your accountability. Secondly, it's a huge challenge. Learning how to fight is extremely difficult. It's more difficult than learning how to dance or learning how to do anything else. And the reason for this is because learning how to fight, all humans have an instinctual way of fighting. We don't have an instinctual way to dance as much, but all humans basically are pre-programmed to fight, but the way we're pre-programmed to fight is completely wrong. We're pre-programmed to lift our head up so we look big and we can see and, and to swing with our hands low for maximum power. And these are completely wrong in terms of traditional chin down, hands up fighting. So when you're learning to fight, you're, you're reprogramming your basic instincts. And this is why it's so difficult. This is why it takes more practice than any other sport. I could learn to dance much easier than a dancer could learn to fight at high level. Um, and that's because fighting is extremely chaotic, it's extremely quick, it hurts. And on top of that, you're trying to reprogram a basic instinct. So it's a very difficult thing to do, but if you wanna become a G for real, you need to learn how to fight. And once you learn how to fight, your body language, when I say once you learn how to fight, learning how to fight takes years. Once you start to begin to learn how to fight, it's a lifestyle choice. This is not a, I do a six week course and I know how to fight. No, this is a lifestyle choice where you start to dedicate a certain period of your time every single week to being a combative individual. And it's something that you never really give up on because you never completely learn how to fight. 
So it's something you're gonna to have to change your lifestyle and base it around. But when you start to do that, your body language is gonna change. And once again, just like in the first lesson, when you start to do that, the way you interact and view the world will start to change. The way you view other people will start to change. This is a great thing about, especially when I had Twitter and the internet. I wasn't, I wasn't big on Twitter until Trump was, Trump was elected and that's when I started to tweet and they verified me straight away and I got mixed up and everything went crazy. But um, you realize that 99% of the people on there with their opinions and who are being rude would never speak to you that way in, in, in real life. It never bothered me, it didn't ever upset me, but when I was on Twitter, I'd never been spoken to that way in real life. Nobody ever spoke to me that way. No one ever argued with me that way. And I thought, well, why is that? And I thought, because I have a physical presence that even I was unaware of. If I sit with someone who hates Trump in, real, in the real world, the way they speak to me is completely different than they do on Twitter because even subconsciously they're thinking, this guy is a dangerous guy. And even if, even if they know I'd never attack them, because I'm not, I'm not an idiot, I'm not an animal, I don't have a criminal record, I'm not, I'm not a thug. But instinctually, in, inside of their mind, from an evolutionary standpoint, they're thinking, this is not the kind of guy you, you call names. This is not the kind of guy you talk to in that manner. And it's, it was a really great experiment for me to see the way that people talk to you through a computer and the way that I've never been interacted with that way in real life. And it's like, well, why is that? Because I said this to someone else, they go, oh, people talk to me like that all the time. I said, well, yeah, it's because you're you and I'm me. So a physical presence is, is a real thing. And it's a real thing, one, with other males. And it's certainly a real thing with females. Absolutely a real thing with females. And this is something that either I can teach you to imitate, I can tell you tips and tricks, or you can just go and fucking do it. If you go and do it for real, you don't need tips and tricks. Are you going to be world champion? No, because I'm in the top 0.1% of, of physical athletes. But can you be good? Sure, you can be good. And is it gonna damage your life in any way to dedicate specific time learning how to fight? Of course not. You're gonna be in better physical condition, better mental condition. You're gonna have a better body language because a male's body language is a combative body language. That's what men are meant to do. We are meant to fight. We're meant to conquer. This is why men have been men since the dawn of human time. This is why the Romans got some rocks melted the rocks, made swords. These motherfuckers, they didn't have Google Maps, they didn't know where they were going. They thought, let's just walk in this direction and then we're gonna find some people and we're gonna kill them. And we're gonna take all their women and we're gonna conquer their city because we want to. This is what men have been built to do since the dawn of human time. Men are combative individuals. So to pretend that combat's not real anymore and we live in society and you don't have to do that, all garbage, you know? And this is Western society bullshit anyway. If you've been, I've been to 71 countries. If you go to the places I've been, you will realize that physical presence is still a very real thing. Absolutely a very real thing in many parts of this planet still today. So, body language of a G is a very, very short and simple lesson. One, go and learn to fight. Because a man's body language needs to be a combative body language and there's no point in me teaching you how to imitate that when you can go and learn it for real. That's the first thing. Go and learn how to fight. And that's it. It's really that simple. If you want a body language which really does display your value as a high value male, then go and become one. And learning how to fight is, is the easiest way to do that. All right, so I'm gonna talk about how to use your voice to make the pussy moist. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the reality is most men nowadays walk around very timidly, they're very soft with their voice, and they don't command the room, right? They don't command someone's attention. So here's an example. Let's say you're going to Starfucks and you're gonna get you a cappuccino, right? Maybe you drink soy lattes, whatever. But when you order, a lot of people are timid, like, I'll, I'll have the, uh, 
of the number three, right? And then if someone doesn't hear them, they just kind of sit back and, and let it be instead of commanding the person who's working attention, right? So if I were to walk up <clears throat> and order a soy latte, I would walk up, like, excuse me, I'll take a number three, right? You're commanding their attention. You're commanding what you want. So the thing is you want to command attention, right? If a king walks in a room, do you think he's timid? So you have to think, this whole course, the whole point is you have to start considering yourself a king, right? You're a king of your domain. You're a king of your state. You're a king of your country. You're a king of the world, right? When you walk into a room, you're commanding it. When you talk to someone, you're using your voice to make a point, right? You're seeing how I'm pausing. So a lot of people will be like, well, I don't have a naturally deep voice, McLean. Like, I don't sound like you. That's fine. Every fucking man can absolutely take voice lessons. Can you not? Right? Can you not take voice lessons? It's not even that expensive. You go down to a community college in the States. Maybe they, I don't know what they call it in other countries. Junior college, whatever. You can go and literally pay a few bucks and get voice lessons and learn how to speak from here. Right? And learn how to use your voice to compel people. Look at all. Another thing you can do, which is excellent. And this is how I learned how to speak. Watch speeches and watch interviews with Bill Clinton. So fuck the politics, right? Fuck all the politics shit. Who cares? I don't care about that. Bill Clinton's one of the most charismatic people in the world. And watch how he moves. Watch how he speaks. Watch how deliberate he is. Barack Obama, I've actually met. Charismatic, but not... I don't think he was that like extremely effective with his speech. But he does have a way, he's a cadence in how he speaks and says things. So... <clears throat> When it comes to girls, it's an absolute scientific fact that women are turned on by a voice, right? A deep voice. It's, it's just because it's manly, right? It, it, it's telling them subconsciously it's high testosterone. Therefore, he will be good to breed with and this baby will actually survive. So when you're talking to girls, not just lowering your voice a bit, but slowing it down. So think about this. If you have someone who's nervous around pretty girls, which is natural, you have, to, you have to work through that. And they're, they're with a pretty girl. Hey, uh, what's your name? Where are you from? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm... I'm da, 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 da. Right? They're, they're getting their words out. Someone who feels like they're not heard or people don't respect them will speak quickly in order to get it all out before someone interrupts them. It's very fucking true. Someone who's used to being respected or, to, or having establishing boundaries in the sense of don't cut me off, don't talk over me, they'll pause. And what I do, because people will still try to cut you off, especially like in New York, motherfuckers speak quick. That's the way it is. I'll literally pause and be like, I'm not done. And give it a beat, right? Give it a second or two. Because it reestablishes the frame of like, okay, I do need to listen. So you really have to own your space with people when you're speaking. With girls, slow the voice down. Don't fucking speak super quick. Take your time, because what will happen is the girl's going to go, wow, this guy, he actually, like when he says something, he means it. He's deliberate with his speech. And that doesn't mean you can't talk quicker and whatnot, because I'm talking faster right now, but I have intention, and I'm punching you with the words, right? I'm sending the words to you. I'm not sending them here. Most people go like this. They go, yeah, I don't know. They throw away the words. Well, you know, I don't know. No, shoot them to you. Where are you going? You know what I mean? Where are you going? 
I'm, I'm shooting the words to you. I'm not, where are you going? So get out here. And what happens is, especially with a lot of introverts, they're, they're so here, instead of focusing on the other person, if you focus on the other people, if you focus on the other person, if you find something about them that's interesting, then you'll be able to speak to them with intention. So it's very important. So to wrap it up, if you have issues with your boys, if you have a lisp, right? It's fucking fixable. When I was six years old, I couldn't pronounce certain words legitimately. I couldn't even say oil, dead serious. I used to say oi oi. So it was like a joke in my family, whatever. My dad was like working on the car or whatever. So I would say, is he getting the, like literally I had a fucking stutter. So they took me to like a speech pathologist and the speech pathologist was like, oh, he'll work it out, whatever. You know, so my mom kind of worked with me. So I don't want to hear excuses if I have a lisp or I stutter. You work through it. Fucking work through it. A lot of people that stutter, the reason why they stutter, the fact is, is because they think what they're going to say, people are going to make fun of. Right? So it makes them nervous. I've known people that have overcome stutters, lisp, and being gay. No, I'm kidding. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. But deliberate, get a voice coach if you need it. When you're talking to girls, slow it the fuck down. Own your space. Own what you're saying. And here's the deal. If you believe that what you say is super fucking important, other people will too. All right, lesson four, dressing like a G. I actually wanted to put lesson three and lesson four together. So if you're a bit disappointed with the previous lesson, me just saying learn how to fight. Because like I said, this is a no bullshit course. That's the truth. You want the body language of a G, go learn how to fight. You're going to have the body language of a fucking G. Simple. But I actually want to put these two together because dressing like a G and body language, it all kind of ties in. Like, you, it doesn't matter what you wear if you haven't got the correct swag. And if you do have the right body language, it doesn't really matter what you wear either. It's amazing. We're not, we're not females. We're men. So what I'm wearing now, this is a fucking $6 shirt. But I have it open because I've got a fucking, my chest is built because I'm a G and I wear it how I want and I walk into a room with my chest out just like what and I sit down and everyone just looks at me like, who the fuck's that guy? It's not an expensive shirt. Now, if I had a, if I had a Gucci tag, I was, I was walking around all meek and shit, would, would it make a difference? Really? No. You don't need to spend money on designer clothes. The number one fashion piece of fashion advice I can give you is to go to the fucking gym. Get built. You're built, you don't need fashion. That fashion is just a way to, to shortcut that shit. So dressing like a G and body language G are actually extremely linked. Yeah, you do need some expensive clothes. Yeah, you need some loud pieces, etc. But even then, I mean, this shirt can be considered loud. A loud piece is once again down to how you carry it. If you wear a loud shirt and you don't and you don't and you look uncomfortable, it doesn't work. You got to pull it off. You, you're attracting attention, just like a peacock. Peacock gets those feathers out. It's like, yeah, look at me. It's exactly the same thing. So the mindset and the body language are actually a lot more important than the clothes you wear. I mean, am I gonna tell you how to dress? Not particularly. I think you can go out there and find your own sense of style. The most important way of looking at it is how do you feel when you wear those clothes, you know? And that is down to the mindset and the body language more than anything else. You do not need to spend stupid money on clothes. I have stupid money clothes, but I also have stupid money. But I wouldn't need them to get laid, really. And I'm telling you the truth, women don't actually give a fuck about many of the things that money provides. Even having a Lamborghini, women don't care. Women don't care about cars. They're gonna impress 10 year old boys who are the only people who are wowed by it. Girls are impressed that you're a man enough with enough ambition to be able to afford a Lamborghini, but they don't care about the Lamborghini itself. There's not a single female alive who will sit there and go, I don't like this guy. 
I don't like the way he carries himself. I don't like how he thinks. I don't like how he talks. But he's wearing a Gucci t-shirt, so I'm going to fuck him anyway. That's never going to happen. It's all about everything else. The clothes you wear really are, unless they're totally awful, really ain't going to make too big a difference. So how to dress like a G is a very short lesson. You can find your own sense of style. It's all about how you feel when you wear the clothes. Yeah, obviously there's some basic things we can go over. In fact, I don't even have any fashion rules. The only fashion rule I have to give is never, ever, ever wear flip-flops. They're never cool. They're a non-combative footwear. You can't even run in them. I don't, I don't know. Maybe when people say to me, oh, you're obsessed with da-da-da. I've been in a few, I've, I've had my fair share of street altercations. I live in, in mafia-ridden countries, etc. But footwear, why are you going to wear footwear you couldn't even run in? Like imagine like a car is coming at you. You can't even fucking run. Like, why would you limit yourself to that point? On top of that, since when are men's feet hot or attractive on any level? Like, no chick wants to see your fucking dirty feet. Put your feet away. Put some shoes on. Don't wear flip-flops. As long as you don't wear flip-flops ever, there's no excuse to ever wear them. If you don't do that, you really can't fuck up too bad, you know? Wear what you've got to wear. But if you go to the gym and you get in good physical shape, you can put on pretty much anything. It's all about how you carry yourself. It's about your body language. It's about how you think. The clothes really, really don't make too big a difference. I didn't want this whole course to be about fucking girls because fucking girls is actually a, a very minor... It takes very little effort if you achieve everything else. A lot of these game courses and courses trying to teach you how to get girls focus purely on how to get the girl. And that's the biggest mistake. If you read Roosh's book or all this bullshit, it's like, go and get the girl and go talk to her this way and this is game. And all. That's all bullshit. If you focus on everything else I'm telling you about, girls are absolutely an added bonus. If you have your money right, if you talk with conviction, if you're a man of stature, if you are uh, going through life with ambition, if you are big and strong and well-trained and you walk through life with confidence, you're not going to need any game. Like, the girls are going to sense it and you're going to have girls. I, I don't have to go out of my way to get laid, ever. The girls message me and if they don't message me, if I message them or if I go say hello to them, they certainly reply. I've never struggled with females in my life, ever, because I've never focused on females. I've focused on everything else that made me high value. And the women were an added bonus. They're, the, they're, the, they're, the, they're the, the salt on the popcorn. They're not the popcorn itself. So I don't really want to talk about women too much, but even when we look at it from how to dress like a G perspective, what perfect fashion will achieve you is, it will achieve you 10 seconds. Imagine you go to the store and you buy the, big, the best Armani Gucci suit, 10 grand, 15 grand. I've got a load of them. I've got 15 grand suits. On my Instagram, you can check it out. I've got a picture of me in a 15 grand suit. A girl might look at you and she'll think, oh yeah, okay. She might think you're hot or whatever, whatever. You go over to her and you say hello. Because she liked what you were wearing, you've bought yourself 10 seconds of interest. If that, for 15 grand, you've bought yourself 10 seconds of interest. And in those 10 seconds, if you're boring, or you don't make her laugh, or she doesn't like what you say, she doesn't even give a fuck about what you're wearing anymore. That's it, it's done. You bought yourself 10 seconds of interest for 15 grand. Is it worth it? Absolutely not. You can go over there in anything. And it's more about what you say and how you carry yourself than it is about what you're actually wearing. So to think that if I wear this and do this, I'm gonna get girls, is absolutely a fallacy. That's not true. I'm not gonna tell you it's true. Like I said, this course is no bullshit. It really doesn't matter too much what you wear if you're the man you're supposed to be. So say how to dress like a G, well, I wouldn't even worry about that too much. What you need to worry about first is the mindset. Secondly is the body language. When you achieve those two things, the rest really isn't too complicated. How to dress, well, you can wear whatever the fuck you want. Because if your mindset's right and your body language is right, you can wear whatever the fuck you want. I could put on a bin bag and walk in the club. I'm still a fucking man. It doesn't matter what I wear. I can wear the fucking cheapest, shittest clothes and walk in the club. I'm still a fucking man. I'm still the man because I've decided I'm the fucking man. 
I've been to hell and back to get my world titles. I know I'm the fucking man. So it doesn't matter what I wear. And people will sense that about me. Even my brother sometimes, me and my brother disagree on very little, but even my brother says, you don't even brush your hair. You don't even, you don't, you don't, you don't put any effort. He goes, you're about to go on a date. You're not even changing your t-shirt. You wore that at the gym. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care because I'm the fucking man. I'm going to beat this bitch. I'm going to turn up in my fucking Lambo. I'm going to tell her how great I am. And she ain't going to give a fuck what my t-shirt is. I don't need to brush my fucking hair. My hair is messy. I don't care. I don't brush it ever. Why would I brush my hair? I don't need to. I get out the shower when it's wet and I go like this. Boom. That's my hairstyle. And it's done. I don't have to put any effort into my physical appearance because everything about me is, is, is more than a physical appearance. I transcend physical appearances. And if you do the first two lessons correctly, you will once again transcend physical appearances. You don't need to go through fucking walking along aisles saying, oh, how is this Gucci t-shirt? Will this get me laid? No Gucci t-shirts get me laid, bro. It's never going to happen. It's about who you are as a person. The clothes just cover up your dick for a little while until she wants to get it out. You ain't gonna worry about it too much. So how to dress like a G is actually completely down to you. That's your personal style. You can make any decision you wanna make. But don't wear flip-flops, one. And two, if you do the first two lessons correctly, it doesn't matter what style you really choose, you're gonna do it, you're gonna do all right. In fact, I hate to contradict myself, but we're doing this entire course without any kind of edits, without any kind of cuts. There's no second takes. This is just pure truth. There is another rule besides no flip-flops. So that's one rule. This is the second rule. <coughs> if you are going to spend a lot of money, don't spend it in like Foot Locker or some shit. Foot Locker is the only place you can go and spend $2,000 and still look broke. Don't dress like a fucking street teenager. You know, just wear some normal ass. I mean, I'm telling you guys to, to, you know, make your own decisions. I'm assuming you're not complete morons. Don't be morons. Put on some normal clothes, you know, and, and, and you'll be fine. Don't go Foot Locker and think, oh, I bought these, these trainers. and Girls don't give a shit about that dumb shit. You can go there and you can spend very little. And because of my stature, because of how I am, because of how I'm built, because of my body, because of how I train, I could spend $10 on clothes and look better than any of you motherfuckers and $1,000 of clothes. And that's the point I'm trying to make. So how to dress like a G is to do lesson one and lesson two, get your mindset and get your body language correct. And then you ain't got to worry sh for shit what fucking label is on your t-shirt. That's absolutely the truth. So let's talk about the mindset behind making money. So years and years and years ago, I had a poverty mindset. And by that, A, I didn't have any money. But that's not the important part. The important part was that I thought it must be super hard to make money. So if you think something, and I'm not going to get all new agey on you, but if you think something and you say it out loud, then you start to believe it. And what you believe, then you start to act on it. And then those actions become habits. And then your habits wind up becoming your fucking life, right? So I used to say, it's so fucking hard to make money. Like, what the fuck? Why? Why can't I make money? Why is it so hard? What is the deal? This is bullshit. I'm just am bad with business. I'm bad with making money. That's what it is. Some people are born good with making money and other people just don't have it. This is bullshit, but it is what it is. Said this out loud for years and guess what? Didn't make any money. It hit a point of me being so fucking broke that I was literally homeless. A lot of you guys know the story. I was literally homeless on food stamps. And where you're like, you hit such a low, you're like, all right, I have to try something different because clearly whatever the fuck I'm doing is not working. And so what happened was I met this mentor and how I met him, I'm gonna talk about this later, but how I met him um, in and of itself is just taking action, you know, and, and seeing someone of means and going up to them, being humble and be like, hi, 
So I have to ask you, like, what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you have this Lamborghini or how do you have this, whatever? Like, what do you do? And they'll tell you, I'm a Wall Street broker. I'm a doctor. I own an online business, whatever. Oh, that's interesting, right? Getting rich is not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. You basically look at what someone else is doing and then fucking do it, right? All of this course, a lot of this course, honestly, could be chalked up to like common sense, but common sense isn't so common anymore, right? You know what I mean? Like we're living in an era where like common sense shit is, is fucking, you know, people are like, wow, this is fucking mind, it's mind blowing. But when it comes to money, people do get up, you know, they get caught up because they believe they have self-limiting beliefs. They have family that have told them certain things. All oh, rich people got lucky or money's evil. Money's bad. Money won't make you happy. It's all fucking bullshit. Um, if you're a miserable person, you get money, you'll probably still be miserable, but at least you'll be miserable on a yacht. So you're not going to be as miserable if you're completely broke. Um, but the mindset behind that. So I had this poverty mindset. So when it switched, because I had the mentor who explained to me, he goes, the reason why you haven't made money is because you think it's hard to make money. You have to change that and think of it as, no, it's easy to make money. I'm like, well, that's not necessarily true though. That's easy to make money. He goes, not necessarily but you've got to at least get your mind thinking positively because what will happen is your subconscious will start working on how to actually make money. Even when you're asleep and shit. That's why if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night and you're like, I have a great idea because your subconscious is working on, on figuring it out, figuring out how to get this. <clears throat> no different than with women. If you're like, it's impossible to get a nine. It's impossible. Can't get a nine. It's never going to happen. I'm just not the guy who gets nines. Da, da, da. You're never going to have a nine. If you're like, you know what? All fucking women love me. Beautiful women want this dick. Beautiful women want to be with me. Not this motherfucker, not that one, with me. And you actually believe it, then you're putting that energy out into the world. And I'm not trying to be weird with new agey shit, but energy is a very fucking real thing, right? So you're putting that energy out into the world. And guess what? Miraculously, which is actually you taking action, things will start happening in your life. So I took, uh, good things. So I took that mentor's advice and I started going, you know what? I need to, I do, I haven't been negative about money in the sense of like, why the fuck don't I have any, like to a level of anger and frustration. I literally punched my apartment wall one time. This was before I was like completely fucking homeless. Literally punched the wall because I was so fucking angry because I don't come from money. No one on the other side of my family has any fucking money. There's no rich uncle who left me money. I wish I did, but it didn't happen. So I switched the mindset to, you know what? It's not hard to make money. Money is, is neutral. Money's not emotional, right? If a piece of money has no emotions, it goes to whoever does something to get it, right? And it's very simple. This is literally this simple. You want to get rich, it's literally this simple. Find out what people want and then fucking get it for them. It is literally that simple. So if, for example, this course, you bought this course, why? Because you wanted information that I have that Andrew has that you don't have. So we supply the information and you pay. It's literally an exchange. People overcomplicate this shit. Like, well, I need to, I need to uh, uh, invent the next fucking Facebook or the next Google. Fuck all that. Unless you're a genius and you literally are a coder and developer and you came up with a brilliant fucking idea. Fuck all the complicated shit. Fuck all the like becoming the next, the next, the next. Fuck that. Literally look at what works. Right? So you're like, well, McQueen, I know you sell a lot of courses. You make a shit ton of money from selling courses. Hmm. I could create a course. I could sell it online. I could be traveling the world while making money. Duplicate it. 
duplicate what someone else is doing. Literally duplicate it. So, in the next video, I'll talk a little more about this. How to get rich. I know that's why you bought this course. You're sitting here thinking, I want to be rich. How do I do it? I'm going to tell you exactly how you get rich. But you may not like what I'm going to say to you, but it's the fucking truth. There is no easy way to get rich. And I'll tell you why. The nature of money, this is once again something else I understood, understood at a very young age. The difference between you and me is very little, except I had a head start on you. When you were 18, acting like a dumbass, I was 18 getting shit done. So I've had a head start. So in, from 18 to 28, I amassed my millions. But it's not too late for anybody. Listen, the nature of how to get rich is because of the nature, is, is very difficult because of the nature of money. Money is not something you can earn or make. People talk about making money, earning money. Money is something you must convince out of the hands of somebody else. Money belongs to someone else. You have to convince them to give it to you. That's why making money is difficult. Because if money is something you could make, it wouldn't be difficult. If money is something you could earn, it still wouldn't be that difficult. You really have to convince other people to give you the money. And that's the hard part. Because when you understand that, understand that reality, then you have to sit there and decide, okay, I have to convince this person to give me money. How do I get as much money from that person as possible? That's what you need to focus on. How do you make yourself so high value that they'll pay enough for your service, regardless of what your service is or who you are as a person? Because there's a beautiful woman out there who gives, okay, there's a service, she gives a blowjob. But even then, there's beautiful women out there who give nothing and still require, and still get given money by guys because they're high value, because they have something, they have beauty, they have something the man wants. You have to discover what is it that I have that other people are going to want. That's the first thing. And secondly, how can I get them to give me a lot of money for it? That's the basis of it. So let's go into it in more detail. How to get rich is as follows. You need to understand. In fact, you need to get a pen and fucking paper. You need to write this down. I'm going to struggle to get rich. You are absolutely going to struggle. It's going to be very, very difficult. I did on my podcast with CNQ, I told a story about uh, when I was really at my brokest and how I ate the same meal every day for about nine months. And I called it flavor because it had no flavor. And it was basically uh, rice. I used to buy a 10 kilo or 20 kilo bag of rice for like $20. It was rice, it was kidney beans because I read the back of the cans and they had the most protein. Uh, for Because you get cans of kidney beans for like 9p, like 10 American cents back then. It's 10 cents. They had more protein than meat. I divided it all up for the value, for the money spent. I got the most possible protein from kidney beans than I did even meat. Because I'm anti-vegetarian, I don't like the idea of vegetarianism. I think it's a disconnect from reality. Humans have always eaten meat. We always will. To start pretending that's bad or wrong is, is some, something a bit wrong up here. So I'm an anti-vegetarian. I bought the cheapest possible meat because I refused to eat a meal without meat in it. But really, my protein was coming from kidney beans. So I had rice, kidney beans, the cheapest possible frozen meat, and then just for greens, the cheapest thing I could buy was frozen peas. And I ate that every single day, three meals a day for nine months because it allowed me to feed myself for a month on about... 90 or $100 for a month. Me and my brother, two full-grown men in combat training, eating four or 5,000 calories a day. We just ate piles of this flavor. We had no flavor. Ate, ate, ate. I said this on the CMQ podcast. And this is when, back then, the reason I had so little money is because I was spending all of my money trying different businesses. Because you are going to struggle to get rich and you are going to fail over and over and over again. All of these people say it. Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, they all say the same thing. You have to be ready for failure, blah, blah, blah. And people go, yeah, I get it. No, you don't get it. You have to be ready to fuck up because you're going to fuck up. 
because there's no magical formula. If you try your first ever business and you make money with your first ever business, you're probably going to fuck that up anyway because you don't have any experience with losing money. You need to fail to succeed. I know it's fucking cringe. I hate to say the same shit everyone else says, but it's absolutely true. What I'm going to do in this part of the video is I'm going to put in a clip of something I recorded in my Hateful Tate series telling you a story of one of my failed business attempts. So you can listen to that as well and you can enjoy listening to me fuck up because I fucked up plenty of times before I discovered a few things that started to work. So whenever I'm in Slovakia or Hungary, I drink these because the first time I came to Slovakia, I had one at a petrol station and they're like a, a drink with chunks of aloe vera in it. And this must have been about nine, 10 years ago. And now I've seen these a few times in corner shops and stuff. But back then, nowhere in England had drinks of aloe vera in it. So I was only like 21, 22, and obviously I was broke as a joke, and I wanted to get rich. So I thought, fuck it, I'm gonna import these drinks, and I'm gonna sell them in England, and I'm gonna be a sole supplier, and I'm gonna get rich. So I found a contact in Hungary who could provide them to me for like, I don't know how much they were, 38p or something. I wanted to sell them for about a pound. So then I started contacting all the superstores. I was watching Dragon's Dead about getting distribution. I thought, this is hard. So I emailed Morrison's, emailed Waitrose. Started emailing them every day saying I had some revolutionary new health drink that was uh, guaranteed with all these bullshit results, da da da. And I promised them 100% markup on it. So I told them they'd buy it for 50p. So I'd make 12p per bottle and they'd sell it for a pound, 100% markup. Made out like I was a real company. I'm 22. Right away, all these people. Eventually, I get an email back from Tesco saying, because uh, everyone ignores you, because everyone's trying to get their stuff into superstores, so they completely ignore you. Got an email back from Tesco saying, I'm away from my, uh, as you know, I've now left the business, and my replacement is Mr. Chris. Chris something is coming in to replace me. So I waited a couple days, and I emailed Chris and said, Hi, Chris, we need to speak urgently. Your predecessor and I were one step away from achieving distribution, pretending I spoke to the previous guy who left, who never responded to me ever. So then Chris emails me like, oh, okay, uh, you better come down there. So it was in Cheson, Hertfordshire, the Tesco head office. And I thought a normal job back then. So I arranged a meeting at like 5.30, finished work an hour early, walk into Tesco fucking head office in my Matalan suit with four or five bottles of this shit, uh, which I brought in a backpack sat down there, let him test it all, gave him my pitch about health benefits, 100% bonus, and all this bollocks. He gave me a piece of paper saying how Tesco accept distribution, saying like, uh, it needs to come X amount of bottles per crate, X amount of crates per container, like just all this expensive distribution shit. So anyway, he said he'd get back to me. So I fucking leave there excited as fuck, call up my guy in Hungary, says, I need it in this many bottles per crate, this many crates per container. I need to be able to deliver this many containers per fucking week to Tesco stores, London, all this bollocks, da 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 My man in Hungary goes, okay, I can make this happen. It's gonna cost this much. So I'm waiting, Chris emails me and says, uh, we need to talk about your drink. Are you free to come in again? I was like, yeah, of course. Anyway, in the meantime, the guy from Hungary says, it's gonna take me six months to turn around preparing your distribution. I said, oh no, it can't be six months. No, no, Tesco want it now, Tesco want it now. He goes, well, I need some money to begin doing this. It's gonna cost some money, so you need to pay me some money. You want like two grand. And 
I had no money. I, like, I had my month's wages, about 1,600 quid, came the next day. So I remember borrowing 500 pounds and my month's wages and sending it to Hungary, two grand. The day before my meeting, my big meeting with Tesco, so this guy could begin fucking pissing around with crates. Thinking my last hundred pounds will last me the month, now I'm 500 quid in debt as well. Filling up with petrol, putting on my Matalan suit, walking in there, sitting down with this Chris guy who was fat as fuck. I don't know what, of course he was in charge of choosing the food. Fat cunt. And he's literally, the meeting lasted 30 seconds. He said, I'm sorry that my predecessor gave you the impression we were gonna stock your product. Personally, I find it repulsive. And that was it. That was the end of my aloe vera dream. He never emailed me back again. None of the other superstores ever emailed me. I told, I kept emailing, we've got different flavors. Wasn't interested. Completely blanked me. Everyone blanked me. The Hungarian guy took, random, took two grand of my money and I was more poor than ever. So now when I drive through the continent in my Lambo, I enjoy an aloe vera drink. Personally, I find it repulsive. I remember, si I remember sitting there thinking in my head, that was unnecessarily rude. He was unnecessarily rude to me because he thought he was important. I'm the fat dude who chooses Tesco's food. Cut. But he ain't got a fucking Lambo. I might, you know, I might go scroll through my email and fucking find it somewhere in the depths and send him a picture of me outside my Lambo drinking an aloe vera drink. Surrounded by aloe vera. Surrounded by aloe vera drink, a big booty hoe. Absolutely, you're gonna struggle to make money. So the first thing is this. We're talking about mindset, talking about being pissed off you don't have money, talking about uh, believing you can do it. All those things are essentially important. The reason we did the first video, in fact, if you were gonna do, if you, if you watch this entire series once, that's fine, but you need to watch the first video at least 20 times because it's the mindset that's gonna allow you to get anywhere else. So imagine you're starting from zero, you now, you've now adopted my mindset, you've now started to learn how to fight, to get your body language right. Even now, even those two small things makes you a higher value person. Let me tell you something, you can go into a job and they're offering 20,000 a year, I'll keep the numbers simple. If you've implemented the lessons I've given you in the first and second video correctly and you sit there and say, listen, I'm the best employee you are ever gonna have. In fact, this is a fucking true story. I'm, I'm saying it like I'm giving you an example. This is a true story. When I was working sales jobs, I used to walk in there as arrogant as a motherfucker. Because if you run a company and you're gonna hire someone to, to, to make you money, to work for you and sell your product, you don't want some fucking guys like, well, I'll try my best. No, I was as arrogant as a motherfucker. I'd, I'd walk into a sales job, I'd sit down and say, okay, before we continue, we need to talk about pay because I'm worth more than the money you're offering. I'm gonna to explain to you why. But basically, I'm the best employee you will ever have. I'm guaranteeing you I will smash any sales record set by anyone else in that room. I will smash it. In fact, I will smash it to a point where I don't even want a basic wage. I want to be commission only. I want three times the commission that you're paying because I don't take a basic. And I'm going to make more money than anyone else has ever made. You're going to pay me exorbitant sums of money. I'd sit there and say that to the MD and the managing director would sit there and go, who the fuck is this cocky son of a bitch? But then he's sitting there thinking, well, if he's so sure he's going to make so much money, he's going to make me a lot of money. So they sit there and they test you. They say, well, well, why are you so sure of yourself? I'll say, because I'm the best. I'm the best salesman there's ever been. It doesn't matter what it is. I can sell ice to an Eskimo. I'm the best salesman there's ever been, and I'm going to sell more product than anyone else has ever possibly sold. And so if you hire me, you need to be prepared to, to pay me huge sums of money. You need to speak to payroll and make sure they're prepared to spend twenty or 30000 a month in wages. It has to come to me, and I want it on time. I don't want a basic. I want my commission. I want it once a month. I want you to make sure you have the facility to pay me twenty or 30000 in one transfer at a time. So you check that before you consider about hiring me. I'd sit there and I'd say this shit. I never failed a job interview. Never. 
I never filled a job interview. How do you get rich? I got the best jobs. I walked into jobs where you needed a university degree. I didn't have a university degree. I said, why didn't you have a university degree? Oh, I didn't even ask me that. I sit there and go, before we start, I don't have a degree. I know you see you need a degree for this post, but instead of spending four years in college, I spent those four years learning how to sell, so I don't have a degree. And they'd sit there and go, okay, this motherfucker, he knows this shit. I didn't need a degree. I didn't need fucking college. I didn't need university. I didn't need nothing. Because I had the first, the lessons I taught you in number one, the first video, and the lessons I taught you in number two. I had the body language of a fucking winner. I had the mindset of a fucking winner. And they wanted a fucking winner on the team. How do you get rich? Well, fucking, it doesn't matter if you, yeah, you're going to end up eventually getting your own company. But I didn't get my own company until I was 25. For a long time, I worked normal jobs. But I worked sales jobs. Because sales jobs allow you to make un unlimited money. So I worked sales initially. But it doesn't matter if it's your own company. It doesn't matter if it's working for someone else. It's down to your body language. It's down to your mindset. Absolutely, that's how you get rich. Yeah, you're going to fuck up sometimes. So some of the jobs, I talk all this shit. I get the job. And I fucking, and I couldn't sell as much as the other guys. I started off because I, I, I didn't know the product. I'm Mr. fucking Big Bollocks. And then I, I, I couldn't sell as much as the other guys. And they take me in and they say, okay, yeah, you sold some product. Yeah, nah, but you know you didn't quite hit target this month. And then the MD, part of them was kind of like, ha ha, motherfucker, you're not as smart as you thought. But I just sit there and say, yeah, yeah, it's my first month. I'm still learning, but my promises have not, have not changed. I'm a man of my word, and I absolutely guarantee you I'm going to smash your sales target. And I just stick there and stick to my fucking word, and I'd repeat the same shit over and over again. You know what? Those managing directors of those companies are probably sitting there going, this motherfucker is delusional. He's a little bit delusional, but he, but he keeps trying. He makes, he makes the phone calls. He's trying his best. People would rather have someone who's too confident with delusion than someone who's living in firmly in the real world. Oh, well, this is going to be hard because I don't know the product yet, but I'm hoping once I learn the product, my sales will go up. No managing director wants to hear that shit. Fuck that garbage. I'm going to fucking beat the record. I'm going to be the best there's ever been. You've got to give me a little bit more time to learn. I'm the badass. I'm the best person here. What's funny now is that I probably have more money than any of the MMDs ever had because I fucking meant what I said. I said that shit. I fucking meant it. I don't give a fuck. I meant it. This is not an act. I'm telling you how to do this. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, I have to act this way. It's not a fucking act. You have to believe it. Believe that shit. How do you get rich for real? Believe that you can do anything it takes to get paid. My business card. I'm going to, like I said, we're doing this entire series without any cuts or any takes. So I'm going to get my business card. Stay right here. I want to show you something. When I show them my business card, everyone laughs at it, thinks it's some kind of fucking joke. My business card is not a fucking joke. My business card is real. So you look at my business card, it says Andrew Tate, millionaire and all-around nice guy. And on the back it says, I'll tell you a very quick story. On the back it says, this is a quote of my dad's. My unmatched perspicacity coupled with sheer indefatigability makes me a feared opponent in any realm of human endeavor. Uh, that's a quote of my father's that he pulled out. In fact, because we've got time, because you're sitting here learning how to be a G, let me tell you the story about a real fucking G. So I was, with a, I was in Detroit, Michigan three in the morning in a gas station with my dad when uh, these Mexicans ran in to rob the store. They didn't have guns, which is extremely surprising for America. They had bats and knives. They start smashing the store up, whatever. They get a little bit of money from the till, whatever, whatever. I'm standing in the store. I'm standing there with my dad. They leave. My dad says, stay here, son, and walks out. So I guess he was checking if they were still outside. I don't, I don't, my father was an interesting character. I don't know what. Maybe he was going to fight. I don't really know what his genuine intention was. I was too young to understand it. But I heard them attack him. So they were obviously still outside. He got attacked. Anyway, uh, the police turn up seven or eight minutes later. My dad is, is badly damaged. He, they've been hit with the bat. And they, they cut his face. And he's bleeding everywhere. But he didn't go down. He didn't get knocked out. 
in the end, in fact, they ran away because he had one of them, one of them has a, a permanent, because they caught him. In fact, I'm gonna try and find the picture for this video because my dad had a picture of it. Uh, had a permanent scar because my dad took a chunk out of his cheek with his teeth. Fucking ruthless shit. Anyway, the police officer turns up and goes, asked my dad what happened. My dad said, I went out there to check if it was okay for my son to leave and they attacked me and I, I fucking bit this guy's face off and I fucked this guy up and then they all ran off and yeah, I've been cut and they hit me with the bat and da 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 da. And the police officer goes, what's your job to my dad? My dad was a big guy. The police officer was a bit like, what's your job? My dad said, I'm a chess player. And the police officer said, well, maybe you should have been something else, as in you should have been a cop or you should have been a, a bodyguard or something. And my dad replied this quote. My dad said, my unmatched perspicacity coupled with sheer indefatigability makes me a feared opponent in any realm of human endeavor. That's how my father spoke. That's just how he spoke through life. So he was a fucking crazy guy to be around. But that quote, what he's saying is, my unmatched perspicacity, my ability to perceive things, coupled with sheer indefatigability, my ability to not become fatigued, I don't become tired, makes me a feared opponent in any realm of human endeavor. So that was my dad's way of saying to the police officer, fuck you. You think chess is bullshit? I can do chess and I can whoop these guys' ass. I can do anything. That's, that's how my father spoke. So that's a very quick story. But back to my business card. I've put that on there in homage to the big G. But in the back, it says, I specialize in the following. And you'll see a whole list of tasks, a whole bunch of stuff on there that I specialize in. You can read it. Pause the video if you want. You can read each one. So wars fought, modeling exposure, assassinations plotted, revolutions started. The list goes on and on. Tigers tamed, helicopter hire. When people read this, they go, Andrew, you're full of shit. I'm not full of shit. I'm a fucking G. The point is, if you're going to pay me enough money, I'll get it done. That's always been my mindset. How, what's the key to becoming rich? Well, first, if you're ready to pay me, there's nothing I will not do. Sits here saying revolution started, people sit there and laugh. If someone's going to transfer me a billion American dollars, I guarantee I'll start a fucking revolution. I guarantee it. If you're ready to pay me my fee, Maybe my fee is too much for you, or maybe you think I overpriced myself, whatever. But if you're ready to pay me the fee I say I want, and you're going to pay it to me, I'll get it done. Pay me first, I'll get it done. If you want a rocket on Mars, no problem. Pay me. I'll set a price, 3.5 billion American. You give me 3.5 billion American dollars, I'll get a rocket on the moon, one way or a fucking another. I don't care if I have to hire someone else to do it. I don't care if I have to fucking learn how to do it myself. I don't give a fuck if I have to become fucking, contact some aliens with my fucking iPhone, WhatsApp them, say, look, I need help moving something to Mars. I don't care what it takes. If you're going to pay me, I'm going to fucking do it. Because if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And that's the point of my card. There's nothing I cannot do for a fee. That's the kind of person you need to be. What's the key to being rich? People need to know you as a fixer. They've got to think, you know what? This is the guy who can get shit done. Back in my sales career, and I quit sales when I became, I'm actually a four-time world champion. When I became, I was working up until the point I was world champion, because there isn't actually as much money in fighting as people think. When I became one-time world champion, I retired. But I was working in sales up until the age of 25. When you become good at sales and you get a reputation as a good salesman, you can never be unemployed. And it's amazing how that reputation spreads. I had job offers weekly. Weekly, I'd have people I previously worked with who've become manager and want to get their figures up, would call me trying to get me back. People who I previously worked with who'd moved to new companies and were putting a team together and wanted good salesmen on their team would call me. I was getting calls constantly, Tate, come move for this one, we can sell this. Tate, come sell that. Tate, come sell this. Because I was the guy, I was the go-to guy to sell product. We have to sell product. We have to get our figures up. Who do you know who can get it done? Well, this Tate guy, I worked with him before. He's fucking crazy. He sells shit. That's who I was. 
And when I say what's the key to getting rich, so back then, I mean, I was taking home, I don't know, 10,000 a month or something. Like to me now, that doesn't even cover my fucking car servicing and, and petrol. But to me then, that was good money. You know, in the real world, that's good money. So how did I, how, what's the key to getting rich? Because to most people, to even you watching, 10,000 a month makes you rich, that's rich. To me now it's not, because everything's scalable and you, you, your perspective changes. Now 10,000 a month would leave me very poor, but back then, it was, it was a lot of money to me. So even then I consider myself rich. So what was the key to getting rich? The lessons I taught you in the first and second fucking video. The way I thought, the way I spoke, the way I carried myself, being a sayer, saying shit and making it fucking come true like magic. That's the key to fucking getting rich. Every single lesson you're gonna go through in this course is gonna fucking come back to the same things. Your fucking view of this world, the way you view the world. I view the world and I genuinely believe I'm the baddest motherfucker on the planet. And everyone who calls me arrogant is not nearly as successful as me, so fuck them. I don't care. I'm the best. I am the best. And when I sat there, let me tell you something. When I did end up breaking those sales records, every other motherfucker in that company, there's a lot who couldn't stand me, but some of the other sales guys, they'd be like, you know what? I have to give you respect. You come in here, you just, you talk shit. You said you're gonna be the best. You didn't even want a basic wage. And here you are, you just beat the record. I have to, hats off to you. You're, you're crazy. I was like, yeah, I'm the fucking man. That's how you gotta be as a person. That's how you have to be as a person. So when people talk about being prepared to fail, I think a lot of that is because people get put off by failure. You know, failure is one of those things that's going to, it's gonna hit you and it's gonna st stop you wanting to come back and try again. That's, that's what really the being prepared to fail is all about. And that's why the fighting is so important as well because when you go and start wanting to fight, you're gonna get your fucking ass kicked and it's gonna hurt and you're gonna feel like a dickhead. But you have to get used to just getting over that. You know, you gotta get over it and get up and carry on anyway. That's why that's such an important facet of the G mindset along with everything else I've taught you, the first four lessons of the mindset. But those things together, I'm telling you, if you get those things right, everything I'm saying to you is gonna to start to make sense. The key to getting rich doesn't have to be owning your own business. I know, I know that's very unpopular to say. Owning your own business is fantastic. But in a lot of cases, owning your own business is more work than a normal job. People think, I'm gonna own my own business, and then I'll be free to do whatever I want. No, if you own your own business, you're not free to do shit because you're owning your own business. You have more fucking stress than if you have a normal job. When you have a normal job, you go home, it turns off. You get your own business, it never turns off. So it's not really that cut, clear cut. And I'm not gonna be the guy who sits there and says, if you ever have a job, you're never gonna be rich. That's bullshit too. You can go get the right job and the correct job and you can end up being a very rich individual. There's CEOs of Kellogg's. You think he, he doesn't own Kellogg's? You think he ain't rich? He's fucking rich, he's fine. What I'm saying to you right now is that to make yourself feel more rich, to make more money than you currently make, if you doubled your income right now, you'd be nowhere near my income, nowhere near, but you'd feel rich because you've been living for a certain amount of time on a certain income. How do you double your income instantly? You double your income instantly by a fucking implementing my mindset and going out there and either changing your job or going back into your boss and saying, you know what? I'm gonna do a better job than I've ever done before. I'm about to do X, Y, and Z. I'm about to change this for the company. I'm gonna do all this. I'm gonna do that for a month and you're gonna see how valuable I am and then I want this much money. And if your boss goes, no, say, fine, I'll find someone who will I'll say, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it all. And then we can talk again. If you're still not interested, I'm going to have to find other employment. Sit there. Revolutionize shit. Mix shit up. Do some fucking crazy shit and you'll make more money. You want to feel rich, you can feel more rich right now. The fucking a number one piece of advice I give to everybody. They go, oh, what, what job, what industry? Sales. Find a fucking sales job. Sit there. Refuse the basic wage. Demand double commission. Tell them you're going to be the best there's ever been. And because, and because you've implemented the lessons in, in the first video, when you say shit, it comes true. Be that guy who succeeds, then you'll feel fucking rich. 
It's all about mindset. It's all about how to become rich is a mindset. It's not about trying to get hold of money. It's about viewing the world in a way where you were such a high value individual that things float to you. People were desperate to employ me. I didn't have to ask for jobs. They were desperate to employ me. Even now, when I started my company, when I first started my company, I went to, I needed an investment from a guy. I went to him and said, look, I want $200,000. When I go to someone and say, I need 200 grand, we're going to make some money. They want to give me the money. I don't have to convince them to give me the money. They want to give me the fucking money. It's like, okay, yeah, okay, 200, okay, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Because they knew who I was as a person. So the key to getting a job, the key to being paid more, the key to getting investments, the key to this, all the fucking same. It's a, it's a mindset and it's a personality. It's who you are as a person. If you implement that, a fucking the, the G mindset, you get that shit right, you're going to have anything you want. Then you want to start a business, you want you need an opportunity or an investment to do it, people are going to fucking give it to you because you have a reputation of someone who does not fail. Become someone who does not fail and you will easily become someone who is rich. All right, how to get rich for real part two. If you've listened to the lessons in part one, you're now making more money than you've ever made before because your time is now more valuable. You're a different person. You demand more respect. You command more respect. And even if you're only making a little bit more money than you were previously making, you're still making more money. So now you start to feel a little bit rich. Now, there's a whole bunch of people online who know more about the ins and outs of fucking ISAs and all that bullshit than me. There's a whole bunch of people out there who will give you a million different tips and tricks to do really how to get your money up. I'm not interested in any of that crap. I'm just going to tell you the truth of how to really make money. It's two things you need to establish. First, you cannot save yourself rich. And I say this because a lot of people are interested in being so frugal and they think that that's the key to, to wealth. Being frugal is not the key to wealth. Being frugal will never make you rich. If you're making $5,000 a month and you manage to live your entire life spending $0, you pay no money for food, you pay zero money to get to and from work, you live somewhere for free and you never need clothes ever and you save 100% of your $5,000 a month, you will still never ever be rich. It will still take you 12 years to buy my car. You're, you're, it's not going to happen. The only way, and that's one of my cars, other than the rest, the only way you're ever going to get rich is if you substantially increase your income. That's the first thing. The second thing is, if your income is linked directly to your time, there's only so much time in the day. The first part of this lesson, the first lesson was make your time more valuable. Make those hours you spend working generate you more. That's fine. Unless you can do that exponentially to a crazy sum, Unless you can get to some crazy figure. In reality, you're going to need other people doing things for you or you need something happening without your input so that your time isn't linked to your money. If your time is linked to your money, you're going to run out of time. You're not going to make enough money. So people often say, okay, I understand that. So passive income. There's no such thing as passive income. I hear the word passive income a lot. And there's really not very much which is truly passive income. People say, oh, like property is passive income. No, it isn't. You think, renting, you think buying a house and renting a house is passive income and you've absolutely never done it. Renting a house means you've got to find tenants, put tenants in there, make sure they pay you on time. The washing machine's broken, you've got to go around there and fix that. Oh, the rent's late, you have to go around there and argue with the tenant. Then you have to end up kicking the tenant out. Then you have to try and find another one. The whole apartment's trashed, they've damaged the walls. Renting an apartment's a full-time fucking job. And the return on it really isn't that much. I mean, you, you, you buy an apartment for 300000 you rent it for like 1000 a month. It really ain't all that. I mean, people love, people, especially old school people talk about property, property, property. Property was the way you became wealthy. You bought a house when you were young and you became wealthy. But nowadays, it's not how it's done. Plus, property is very, very slow. Okay, you buy a house now, you're going to be rich or well off when you paid it off when you're 55, 60. Who gives a fuck about being rich when you're 60? Who cares? I would rather be rich now and broke when I'm 60 than broke now and rich then. I'd happily be broke when I'm 60. I'll fucking rock up in Thailand with a bottle of whiskey and a couple of prostitutes and jizz five times a day. I don't give a fuck. I'm old. I don't need clothes or a nice car or nothing. Who cares? You're 60. No one's interested in your Lambo when you're 60. They're interested in your Lambo when you're young and hung like me. So 
The point is property and passive income and all this garbage is out the window. You really need to find a way to increase your income. So I'm going to tell you how I did it. I'm going to tell you everything. I'm going to tell you the basics. What I understood was this. I can't link my time to my money. And I need to find a way to increase my income. So what you need to do is, and it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's mowing grass. It doesn't matter if it's something else. It doesn't matter if it's fucking typing documents. It doesn't matter if it's translating. It doesn't matter what it is. What you need to do is find a service people will pay for. And you need to find someone who will do it cheaper than the price being offered. That's it. It really is that simple. So let me, I'll give you a, a really quick example. Imagine someone offered you $20 to do something. That's fine. Instead of doing it and wasting an hour of your time, find someone who will do it for $19. Pay them $19 and it's done. This is why I, I said in the first video, you don't have to own your own business to end up rich. You don't. And you can feel very rich if you double your wages or you do a sales job, that's fine. But you will inevitably, at a certain income point, probably end up owning your own business by doing what I'm describing right here. You get people to do things for you. Um, you're the middleman as such, and this just evolves into your own business. Even some of the people on Twitter, I noticed they're, they're pushing like CBD oil and all this stuff and they're being affiliates, that's fine. But if I was them, I'd have an affiliate link underneath the affiliate link, which is not just my Twitter page, but I'd put it out to other influential Twitter pages. So instead of getting, okay, imagine, imagine, imagine you have a Twitter and you're an affiliate. You're selling something for 50%. That's absolutely fine. I would do that. But what I'd also do is get another link that I got 25% of and 25% to someone else. And I'd be pushing that out. You make a lot more money with other people doing the work for you, if you understand. So you can be an affiliate and you can get affiliates underneath you. It doesn't matter. Even if you're the second or the third person down the line, you can still get people below you. It doesn't matter what business we're talking about here. If someone's prepared to pay for something, that's fine. Find something that needs doing. Find a price they're prepared to pay. And find somebody who's going to do it for less than the price. Now, if it's a huge job, you need to make a good markup. But if it's small jobs, a dollar's fine. They're paying 20 and it takes 30 minutes and you know someone will do it for 19, you just need to suck up them jobs as many as you can. Get someone else who's gonna do more. Get another person who'll do it for 19. Get more jobs, more jobs, more jobs. Do such a make sure, quality control, make sure the jobs are done properly. You're collecting a dollar, a dollar, a dollar for doing nothing. This is the key to making money. I, a long time ago, knew a, a guy who was a street pimp and he said, pimping is the only real passive income. I said, why? He goes, because I sit here and they are doing the work. I don't have to do anything. Then they just give me the money. He goes, another business where that is done. But basically, that is essentially all businesses. You're pimping out someone else's time for your cash. So it doesn't matter what it is. You can go on Craigslist. You can go on anything. Find something people are prepared to pay for. Find someone saying, look, I need some garbage collected and moved or whatever, $100 for the day, whatever. And then just call around your friends. Find your 15-year-old brother. Find someone who will do it for $90. Collect 10 bucks. That's a task for you. Pull it off once and your world will change. You'll do it once. You go, wow, okay. Then you just have to find a way to scale it. Because the problem with linking your time to your money is there's no scalability. When you, when you destroy that link, you can scale things. So I personally generate business. I generate quite a lot of money and it's not linked to my time. I have a lot of people out there making money and I make some money. There's people I pay more than I make. For example, there's, there's, there's a particular setup I have where I have three people making, let's say, 10000 a month. I'm only making three grand from it, but it's their full-time job, and I literally do nothing. So to them, they're getting paid more than me, but I don't do anything. I keep all of my time. And if you can set up enough little things like this, three grand a month isn't much, but, you know, it's, it's the electricity bill, whatever. And it all adds up, and then you come up with a new idea, a new idea, a new idea. Most people out there do not want to be as entrepreneurial as you will have to be. Most people do not want 
the responsibility of trying to find money on their own. What they want is guaranteed money. That's what they want. They don't want the hard part of finding the job, negotiating the price. So they don't want that. They just want someone to say, do this, I'll give you this. Most people are robots. So you have to take advantage of that. And it doesn't matter if it's cutting grass, it doesn't matter if it's something online, it doesn't matter what it is. If you can take advantage of that, you will find a way to make money. Start this on a very small scale. Start this on a small scale so your time's no longer linked to your money and you're making $500 extra a month. Small scale. Bang. Get an affiliate marketing. Telling you something now. Telling you something now. You can go on Twitter right now with a thousand followers. You can do a deal with a company to get an affiliate saying, if I get any product sold through this link, I get X percent. Get that done. Then all you have to do is convince people with more followers than you, people more important than you are, to tweet your link. And they're the ones doing all the work. They're the ones with all the influence. They're the ones with all the fucking followers. And you're still getting paid off of their accounts. Like, there's a million things you can do. All it's down to is, once I said before, your mindset, your body language, knowing people, people respecting you. If you approach someone with an opportunity, they respect it. If you do these kind of things and you know people who like making money, then you're going to be fine. But this is also another real key thing. When I say no people like making money, most people, the people they hang around with are dickheads. Most people hang around with people uninterested in money. Before I had money, all I talked about was money. When I'd sit around with my friends, it'd be like, oh, hi, how you been? Yeah, yeah, okay, bang. How, how can I make money? How are you making money? How do we make money right now? We're in this coffee shop. Okay, how much is the coffee? Do you think they're making money in this shop? Do you think they're losing money? Why, why is the waitress ugly? They make more money than a pretty waitress. Why don't they have a garden outside? It's, it's sunny outside. Do they sell cake? No. If I had a coffee shop next door and I sold cake and I had a garden and I had a pretty waitress, would I make more money than them? These are the things that would just go through my mind when I was just sitting having coffee. You're sitting there having coffee, scrolling up and down Instagram, looking at people with better lives than you, unhappy. I was sitting there thinking, okay, maybe I need to fucking take this place out of business. And then I can buy it off them for pennies when they're fucking broke. You gotta think about these things. If you think about money and the people you're around only think about money and you understand that if you can take on any job, any task, and you can outsource it for less than you're being paid, you're gonna make money. This is what my business card's all about. Tiger's tamed. Well, you can't tame a tiger. No, but you know what I can do? I can tell you a price. You can send me the money and I can find someone who will tame a tiger for less than you sent me. That's what I can fucking do. So that's why I make sure my price is right. So you're like, oh, you can't tame tigers. I can tame a tiger. Send me a million dollars to tame a tiger. Try me. And I'll keep half a million. I'll give half a million to some fucking African dude who grew up around tigers. He's happy, I'm happy, bang. I ain't gonna fucking see a tiger. I'm busy getting a blowjob. That's how you get rich. That is the key. That's the second component. Key one, make yourself high value, increase your income with whatever you're currently doing, that's fine. Number two, de-link your time and your money. Find a way to become a middleman. Find a way to become a fixer. Outsource things. And if you start doing that correctly, I'm telling you, money starts to come in. From there, what you want to do with the money is up to you. Some people are investing in cryptocurrencies. Some people are investing in property. Whatever, whatever, whatever. It's completely up to you. But a lot of these online how-to-make-money blogs are, are garbage. They tell you if you don't drink, if you don't drink a Starbucks once a week and save it, in 15 years you'll have 30 grand. Like who gives a shit? Like what, what is 30 grand? Me and CMQ blow 30 grand in a weekend. Like what, what? Can you buy a house for 30 grand? Can you buy a car with 30 grand? Well, yeah, but is it a life-changing car? No. Like it's not even a lot of money. It's all garbage. I can tell you a few trips for, tricks for frugality, but it ain't gonna change your life. I mean, all in all, it ain't gonna change your life. You can't save yourself rich. You need to increase your income. So the task from this video is as follows. Watch all the other videos again. Get the mindset right, get the body language right, etc. So when you approach someone and say, hey, I've got a job. If you do this, I can pay you this much money. Get them to agree. Find someone else. Find the job first. Find someone who goes, I need this doing. Fine, no problem. Find someone else to do it. Make sure they're getting paid less than you're getting paid. 
keep the middle money. And that's how you'll end up starting your first business. Very few people start their first business by just quitting their job and starting a company online and go in there and start a company. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's far more organic than that. It grows slowly. Like, you know what? I can outsource this to him, outsource this to him. I have to quality control their work to make sure it's done properly. All of a sudden, I'm basically their boss. Oh, we've got lots of work coming in. They're working full time, blah, 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 blah. And before you know, you have a company. That's how it goes. So if you're sitting there going, well, what, what things can I do? Look, Google online. There's a million different little bullshit jobs on Craigslist or whatever. Find someone to do it. If you have a little brother, make his stupid ass do it. Find a way. And one way or another, that's going to grow into a company. And then you'll be rich. How to get hot girls. Now, this is a subject I could talk about for a very long time. But I want you to understand some basic concepts to, to the pimp game. Basic concepts to the realities between men and women. There are some factors you can control. And there are a lot of factors you cannot control when it comes to getting hot women. Now, if you don't know who I am, you don't know my qualifications. I don't want to brag about how many women I've fucked, whatever, whatever. You know, I'm rolling in the highest possible echelons. All those Instagram models you're seeing with like 100,000 followers and you're sitting there thinking, who's that guy? Who finally, who gets to actually fuck her in the night? Well, it's me. That's who. So I'm rolling in the highest possible echelons of female quality. And I know the game inside out. So first, let's discuss the things that you cannot affect. One of the largest and least discussed factors to, to, to attracting females is an uncontrollable thing, which is timing. Timing has a huge, huge effect on how a female is gonna to react to you. If you go up to a, let's say imagine you're in a nightclub, you're chilling in a nightclub, you go up to a girl, you wanna to talk to her. Now, if that girl has just been bought flowers to take it for dinner by her boyfriend before she goes to the club, she's not very likely to talk to you. If she just caught her boyfriend cheating, she's more likely to talk to you. Do you understand that things that happened pre prior to your meeting have a massive influence on how she's gonna to react to your approach? Is she happy in her relationship? Is she not? Is, her, is, is, is she staying at her friend's house tonight? Is she not? Is she on her period? Is she not? Dumb shit. Like these are things that can completely affect. If your girl knows she's getting picked up by her boyfriend in the, the night, why is she gonna talk to you? If she knows her boyfriend's out of town, she's supposed to be staying with her friends and her boyfriend's pissed her off because he ain't texted her in a few days, she's a lot more likely to reply to you. These are things that have nothing to do with your approach. My point is that every single female has a window where they are susceptible to your language. And there's windows where they're completely closed. My chicks who I have on lock, the multiple females I have on lock, I, I am very confident that if they go to a club or they go out and a man tries to talk to them, there's nothing that man can say that's gonna get her to be interested in him. There's nothing, because they're closed. They are closed for business. It's like having a fucking storefront. The store's closed, you can't go inside. Whereas if the store's open, you can go inside and try and negotiate a deal. So you need to understand that timing has a huge factor to play with every single female. This is very important. So we know timing has a huge effect. Timing has a huge effect. There's been girls who I've hit up, they've kind of half replied to me, never really got anywhere. Hit them up again six months later when I see their big booty pop up again on my Facebook feed. We end up at dinner and I say, the first time I tried to talk to you, you were, you know, we, we, we didn't get anywhere. And she's like, yeah, I was going through some stuff. You know, I had some problems at home. Basically, she wasn't open for business the first time I tried to speak to her. I'm obviously the kind of man she likes because right now we're on a date. She obviously wants to dig. But at the time, she wasn't susceptible to my approach because timing has a huge factor to play with females. And this is why they say it's a numbers game. It's not a numbers game because you're definitely going to fail. In fact, I'll be confident enough to say, I mean, I know all these fucking game books say otherwise. If a bitch is open for business, and I make an approach, 
I have an 80% success rate. I will fuck 80 to 90% of the females who I attempt to sleep with, at least. Probably even higher. I'll say 100, I don't give a fuck. If I know, if a girl's single, and I say hello, and she feels like talking that day, it's game over. I don't fail ever. Sooner or later, they're, they're naked. So, when they say it's a numbers game, it's not because you must fail when you're getting girls. That's bullshit game talk for amateurs. The reason it's a numbers game is because you don't really know who's open for business and who isn't. I can give you a few tips and, and visual cues to decide who's open for business, who isn't. Fuck that garbage. It's better just to stick it as a numbers game. You try, they're not open for business, next. You try, they're not open for business, next. You try, she is susceptible to your game, and then you move on. So this is one of the first things you need to understand about females, is that women, there are a lot of factors you can't control, and a lot of women are not open for business. Now during this period where they're not open for business, do not blast your chances by making her lose respect for you. So if you message a girl, she doesn't reply. Fine. You want her to reply, you want to play with her tits. I get it. Wait at least three months before you try again. Give it a chance for her shit to blow over. Because let me tell you something. If she has two messages or three messages from you a year, maybe two years later when she's fucking sitting at home, she's lonely, and you say, let's go have some fun, she'll reply to you, that's fine. But when she has a thousand messages and you message her, even if she feels like replying, she's going to scroll up and see that creepy shit and be like, fuck this, this guy's a weirdo. So don't blast your chances when the fucking door's closed and the shop isn't open for business. Don't fucking bang on that door too hard. Because all you're going to do is make her lose respect for you and you're never going to get laid. So you can't be doing that shit. If someone's not susceptible to your approach, leave it. And leave it a generous period of time. Approach other women. Come back when there's been a period of time in which things might have changed. Things haven't changed in two days. Things haven't changed in three hours. Stop hitting them up, you look like a dickhead. So this is a very important thing. This is the first thing. Second thing you need to understand about getting hot women is that women are never without attention. You don't have to make a girl like you. That's easy. You have to make a girl like you more than she likes the other guys who are trying to make her like them. Do you understand the difference? You have to win. As a girl, she just has to, as a girl, if you're a girl, you have to make a guy like you, guy fucks you, easy. As a man, you have to make the girl like you most because there's always other dudes attempting to make her like them. That's something else you need to understand. And when I was saying to you before about body language, about mindset, etc., one of the keys to doing this is to make the small gestures that you go through more valuable than the small gestures they go through. Exactly the same as I was talking about job interviews. The things you do have to be more valuable. How to get rich? Well, my time's worth more, so you must pay me more. It's exactly the same with females. So, for example, imagine you are trying to talk to a girl. She may, she'll never admit it, but she's talking to two or three other dudes. She'll never admit it. Until she's exclusively yours, there's other guys hitting up her phone. Those guy, one of those guys sends her flowers. You don't send her flowers. Now, on paper, he's winning. He went through it. He sent her flowers. He did something for her. He thought of her. You did nothing. But if you're such a high-value man that you're busy, and you're getting your shit done, you're getting paid, and you say to her, yeah, I've been busy today. I'll message you later. And she respects you enough to look at those words and go, okay, I know he's busy. He has things going on then you win anyway. You ain't got to send the flowers. It's not about the flowers. It's about your time being more valuable. It's about putting a price on yourself, which is higher than this guy's. So you don't have to go through the same bullshit he went through to try and prove a point. You can prove a point with a message. I got shit going down, but I'm going to call you at seven. That's worth more because your time's worth more than fucking Mr. Nobody send flowers. Do you understand where I'm coming from? 
It's not about the gesture itself. It's about how you value yourself. This is why in every video I keep going back to the G mindset and the body language. These things are extremely important with females. I don't try too hard with girls. I really don't try too hard. I will talk to them a little bit. I'll make it clear that I'm not as big an asshole as people think I am. And then I'll try and progress to a meeting. If that meeting doesn't seem to materialize, then the game's over for me. I'm not sitting here trying to chase a meeting out of some bitch. Uh, that's not who I am as a person. Because you need to understand that half of the people on this planet, 50% of all people alive are females. So that woman you think is so special, that one you really want, she's so special, she ain't special, bro. She ain't special. Get that shit out your head straight away. Because the more special you think she is, the more you're going to fuck up when you're talking to her. She ain't special. She takes a shit in the morning like everyone else. Just a fucking human organism. Who cares? There's girls prettier than her around. Maybe you ain't got their phone numbers, but they exist. So you got to go out and get them. So don't be trying too hard. Now, the reason I get away with such little work is because I put such a high price tag on myself. I am a four-time kickboxing world champion multimillionaire. So even, even any female, no matter how beautiful, knows... I'm never going to be the guy hitting her up constantly. I'm not going to be the guy she can call and I'll always answer. I'm not going to be the dude who will give her lifts to work. She knows i got shit going on. So remember what I was saying earlier to you about how I've never struggled with females because I never focused on the females. These other game books and Roosh and all these idiots. This is the woman. Get the woman. Get the woman. Forget the bitch. Forget her. Forget all the chicks. Worry about yourself. Get yourself straight. And when your own shit's straight, got yourself together, females are an added bonus. It's much easier to focus on yourself and get yourself high level and then start getting females than it is to forget about yourself. Spend all your time day game running around the mall doing a thousand approaches trying to pick up a real fucking slut who will bang anyone and getting laid. Fuck that garbage. All the game you've read before is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit, and you're going to see why it's bullshit in, in the, one of the upcoming videos about how to keep hot girls, especially you're going to see why it's bullshit. But it's bullshit because if you go up to a thousand girls, you get five phone numbers and one might fuck you. Yeah, I'm sure that's absolutely true, but so? You're going to spend your life, instead of becoming rich, instead of becoming strong, instead of becoming smart, you're just going to fucking run around a mall approaching girls, day game? It's bullshit. It's garbage. It's for children. All that shit is for children. I focused on myself. And that's how I've managed to attain the highest quality females. And also not attain, retain, which is another thing we're going to do in a separate video. Because retaining females is completely different to obtaining females. So we're talking about the factors that you cannot control in terms of females. We talked about the timing, how some stores are closed. We talked about how you have to make her like you more than the other guys. And sometimes that's difficult. Let me tell you something. She might be talking to a real G. If she's talking to me, you're going to struggle to make her like you more. That's the truth. I have more tangible assets, more physical, financial, and mental assets. Plus, I know the game. Sometimes you're outclassed. That's how it goes. Sometimes you're just outclassed. That's how it goes. That's another thing you can't really control. But what you can control in those situations is that you don't make her lose respect for you and don't kill your chance for the future by being a little beggy, begging for attention bullshit. Keep your honor about you. Because if, if, you, if you're going to lose the game, there's two ways to lose it. With honor and without honor. You're going to lose. As soon as you sense you're going to lose, as soon as you detect this girl, I'm not going to get her, then you can either lose her by begging, hoping for that little tiny chance and losing all your respect, or just thinking, you know what, I'm going to try again in eight months. Fuck this bitch. I'll get someone else. So we all know what the correct decision is. Don't be fucking so desperate for a girl that you just lose all your honor and self-respect. 
Because then you're never going to get her. Ever. And that's some real dumb shit. So I want you to understand when we start talking about women, there's a whole bunch of factors you cannot control. Now, there are some factors you can control. Obviously, who you are as a person, like I said, lesson one, lesson two, etc. If you're watching this course, you need to watch the first lesson a hundred times. If you understand the first lesson, the first video I made in this course, if you understand it and implement it correctly, everything I'm saying to you right now is all you already know. You already know it. What I'm saying now, you're like, well, yeah, of course, because of the four lessons I gave you in the first course. So if you understand them correctly, I don't really have too much to say, but I'm just reiterating some points for you. So when it comes to approaching hot girls, you have to understand this. Some are open for business, some are closed for business. Next, what can you do? Besides the factors that you cannot control, what are the factors you can control? Well, body language is one of them, obviously. Clothes, we've, we've discussed all this. But really, when it comes to approaching females, game as a whole is something I don't like. I don't like the idea of it because it's bullshit. It really is bullshit. I cannot sit here and tell you how to act. Even if I told you to have the exact same mannerisms as me and say the exact same things I would say, they work for me, but they will not work for you because we're individuals. We're absolutely individuals. For the same reason when you learn to fight, you learn the basics of it. But if I were to say, mimic my movements millimeter for millimeter, I won't get hit and you will get hit because we're different bodies. Just, we're different people. So I can't sit here and say, do this, do this, do this. Anyone who tries to tell you that, what they're doing is, they're trying to oversimplify an extremely complicated situation in an attempt to get paid. Because every single female you approach is gonna be different. Every single scenario when you're in is gonna be different. Every restaurant you sit in is gonna be different. You're different to me. The mood she's in is gonna be different. The weather is gonna be fucking different. Maybe it's raining, maybe it's sunny. Everything has a small part to play. So for me to sit here and say, if you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, you're gonna get laid, is the kind of bullshit people package up trying to make it a complicated situation seem simple to get money. Getting laid is not simple. The only thing you can do if you want to retain, especially in a future video, retain as well as obtain hot women is be yourself. You cannot project an act for any considerable period of time. That's not possible. The only way you can be anything for a considerable period of time is to be yourself. So, Maybe you're a shit person. Yeah, fine, maybe. But you have to absolutely and utterly be yourself. Now, there are some things which are ironclad beneficial when it comes to getting females. You can be yourself and be a confident version of yourself as opposed to a meek version of yourself. Confidence is always attractive because men were built to lead. Like we said earlier, men were built for combat. So confidence is something you need. Everyone already knows this shit. And confidence doesn't have to be sitting there and bragging. Confidence is little things. When you pick the girl up, where are we going? I know where we're going. Not where do you want to go? She doesn't want to hear that shit. She doesn't want to make decisions. Females don't want to think. They want to be led down a rabbit hole of entertainment. They want to be entertained. They don't want to think. They don't sit there and have to think about it. They'll say, yeah, we're going here. Even if you get there and it's shit, you don't like it here, say, so yeah, well, I do. Stick to your fucking guns. So confidence is obviously the first thing, but you know that shit already. Just be confident about who you are and what you say. Doesn't mean you have to be an asshole. You haven't got to be an asshole. In fact, a lot of people confuse the two. A lot of people go, Girls like assholes. No, girls like confidence. But nowadays, only assholes have confidence. If you're the rare select guy who's not an asshole and also supremely confident, you're definitely going to fuck. You haven't got to be an asshole. It's the confidence they're attracted to, not the asshole qualities. So yeah, you absolutely have to be yourself. You have to be a confident version of yourself. But we've already talked about this in lesson one. Believe you can do anything. You're about to go on a date with Megan Fox. Are you intimidated? No. 
because you're the fucking man. And you're going to fuck her same night after taking her to the worst restaurant in town. Because you can do anything. Because you're a fucking G. That's how I think. I don't even brush my hair. I don't even shave. I rock up in fucking clothes and wear them for two days. I don't give a fuck. Turn up. Hi. Start talking shit. Before you know it, she's naked. Because I know my skills. I know I'm the G. You know you're the G. You ain't got nothing to worry about. You can be yourself and you can be a completely different person to me, personality-wise, and still be a G. You can say completely different things and still be successful. You can have different mannerisms and different techniques or whatever bullshit and still be successful if you've implemented the first lessons correctly. So how to get hot girls part two. So we've discussed how there's a lot of factors you can't control. That's why it's a numbers game. The solution to all the factors you can't control is numbers game. Approach, 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 approach. Never blow out by, by losing your honor. If they're not open for business, fuck them off. Let's assume they are open for business. You've gone up to them, you said hello, whatever, whatever. Told you you have to be yourself because you ain't gonna be, able to be anyone else for any long period of time. You're now a G, you're now a high value individual. So being yourself is gonna be valuable. Let me tell you something. Imagine I did a course on how to play piano, but we never actually played piano. We just sat here and talked about pianos, how pianos work, the basic rules of piano, the infrastructure of pianos, the different types of keys there are, blah, blah, blah. When you sit in front of piano, are you gonna be able to play the piano? No, you're not. And it's the same with girls. I can only give you so much advice. The only way you're gonna get good at getting girls is to start getting girls. The reason I'm the best is because I've, I've been through, I don't even know how many women. I don't know how many approaches, I don't know how many situations, I don't know how many turnarounds, how many shit tests, I've been through it all. Because I speak to lots and lots and lots of females. So the easiest way to get good with females is to speak to lots and lots and lots of females. The easiest actionable piece of advice I can get you to get good at getting girls is, you need to be speaking to one or two new girls a day. Now, the coward's way is Facebook and Instagram. Blah, blah, blah. Every hot girl, their inbox is already full of people. It's very difficult to differentiate yourself from everyone else in that inbox. So that's not really the best way. You need to be interacting with two to three new females a day. They haven't got to be that hot. They can be sixes, sevens, whatever. But you need to be interacting with them one way or another. If you interact with two or three new females a day, every day for three months, you're going to have a different quality of game than before you did so. You can have the girls who are rude to you. You can have the girls who, who want to talk. You're going to go through it all. But let me give you some basic tips and tricks. The number one thing as a man you cannot do in any situation when it comes to females or anything else is compromise your honor, compromise your respect. So for me personally, I'll tell you how I do it. Let's say I get a lot of girls from social media nowadays because my Instagram page is, is off the chain. So you can tell by my Instagram page, if you know me, I'm a fun guy to be with. Females only want fun. All females care about is fun. So my Instagram's a little bit intimidating. So I remove the intimidation factor. I talk to them for a little bit. Within an, within an hour or two, I'm saying WhatsApp. Now, when I ask for their WhatsApp, it's because it's, it's more personal than an Instagram page. Instagram's for everybody. WhatsApp's for people you really know. So it's an escalation point. And either they agree and give it to me, or at this point, there's some points of contention. Now, if there's some points of contention, some small ones, I don't mind it. They might say, why do you want my WhatsApp? And I'll say, oh, my Instagram's slow on my phone. I make up some shit excuse. Because they want me to have some bullshit excuse. They know my excuse is bullshit. They know why I want it. I say, my Instagram's slow. If they say, oh, if they content again, oh, but I don't have to give my number out. I'll just say, okay, no problem. That's it. And then they'll go, okay, so what are you doing today? Bang, that's the conversation over. That's it, done. 
They lost their chance with me by not giving me their number when I demanded it. That's how I roll. Let me tell you something. Leave them on scene. Leave them ignored. She wants you more than ever. You can come back to her three months later. If you come back to her a week later, she's going to give you attitude. You can't do that. You've got to leave it for such a long period of time she genuinely believes she was forgotten about. This is the abundance mentality. I'm talking to so many females. If I ask for your number after an hour and you're not going to give it to me, I don't want to talk to you anymore because you're too much fucking work for me. I ain't got time for that shit. Because I'm going to fuck someone today anyway. I'm at that level, so I don't really have to play your fucking game. If they give me the WhatsApp, that's an escalation. Within another hour or two hours, I'm looking to arrange a date. I am not the guy who sits there talking away. That's how you end up in the friend zone. I'm not that guy. Let's go for coffee. Oh, really? So soon? And then I'll say something like, well, you think you can get to know someone over messages? And they'll be like, uh, well, no one says yes to that. Go, no, but you know, we just started talking. So we're not going to ever know me and I'm never going to know you. You seem too complicated for me to work out over WhatsApp. That's what I'll say. And they'll either go, okay, and we'll sort out a date. Or they'll go, some other bullshit. Oh, well, you know, we, I just gave him the, the. If it's more bullshit, I say, okay, no problem. And ignore them. That's how it is. Because I deal with so many females. For me, it's a numbers game. I have so many females on my phone. I can't possibly reply fast enough. So I don't give a fuck. I don't care if you're a 10. You want to play these games with me, I'm not playing them. I don't play the games. Because you can never sacrifice your honor. So any female I've ever interacted with, even ones I haven't fucked, could not go through our, the history of our conversations and find anything that compromises me as a man. Keep that in mind when you're writing shit. That's really important. Because women only want to fuck guys they respect. They don't want to fuck any other guy. They don't want to fuck handsome guys. They don't want to fuck, they want to fuck guys they respect. And if you sacrifice your respect, then she doesn't want to fuck you. So why do you want to meet her? You've got to always keep the end goal in mind. Why do you want to go on a date with this girl? Is it to be her friend? Is it to buy her dinner? Is it to listen to this, her stories about her fucking other dickhead friends? Or is it to fuck her? Because if it's to fuck her, then you need to keep that in mind and not sacrifice your respect. If you have to sacrifice your respect to get her to come on a date, then she ain't gonna fuck you anyway, so why do you want the date? You don't. So don't forget the fucking end goal. So to learn, you have to learn about yourself more than you have to learn about women if you want to get good women. You have to know what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses. There's very few, but I know, I know what they are. You have to learn about yourself if you want to learn about women. Imagine I told you to go out into the world and find the best apple you could find. If you, uh, if you come back and you've been and you've had one or two apples, you've looked at one or two apples and you tell me which one's the best, is it the best apple in the world? Well, no, because you've only fucked around with a couple apples. So what do you know what a good apple is? They might all be bad apples. You don't know. Is that the biggest, juiciest apple you could possibly find? No. Whereas if you went out there and you fucked around with millions of apples, and I said, give me the best apple you could find, you're very likely to know a lot about apples and be able to identify an apple that's better than the rest. And women are exactly the same. Women are exactly the same. A lot of people want to learn game not to fuck endless numbers of women. A lot of them want to learn game to get a woman who respects them and looks after them and, wants, and is worth marrying. Well, if that's the case, game is more important than ever. Fucking a bunch of women is fun, yeah. But if you want a real wife-quality woman, you need to tear through a whole bunch of women to find a good woman. I know what a good woman is because I've fucked so many girls. I've had so many apples, I can identify a good apple straight away because I've had so many. If I've only had three or four apples, what the fuck do I know about apples? You don't know shit. And that's why game's so important nowadays because if you stand any chance of even surviving in a traditional relationship, man, woman, marriage, whatever, you still need to have game. 
You still need to play the field. You still need to fuck a whole bunch of girls before you identify what a good apple is. I never get played by girls because I can identify the kind of girls who are going to try and play me. People say, oh, you got money. And how do you know they don't just want you for their money? Because I'm not a fucking moron. Because I fucked a thousand gold diggers and a thousand girls who aren't gold diggers. And I can spot it from a mile off. I can smell it. You think I'm fucking stupid? Because I have experience with apples. You gotta get experience in this game. So the most important thing for how to get hot girls is experience. I'll tell you a story about a man called Luke the Man. Luke the Man worked with my brother in a coffee shop when Tristan was 18, 19, in a pret in the airport. Now, nowadays, when me and Tis Tristan, when we wanna go on a pure get girls mission, this is a, let me diversify from this story quickly. Nightlife in general is shit. Nightlife is boring. Guys don't care about clubs. We don't care about music. We don't care about dressing up. We don't care about drinking. It's all garbage. Men only go to nightlife to fuck. We want girls. If someone were to say to a guy before he went on his night out, there is a 0% chance of you getting laid tonight, would the man still go? Most men would say, oh, I don't, I don't care then. I'm not going to go. That's, that's, it was the old school way men used to get girls. You know, nowadays there's more efficient ways, I guess, if you want to live on the internet, whatever. But that's how it was. That's what nightlife was based around. Pussy came. Guys try and get the pussy. Guys come and spend the money. Da 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 da. So, nowadays, when me and Tristan go into a club, if my brother goes to me, let's loop the man in this club. What that means is, let's just go up to every girl, let's get the numbers or blow out with every chick and leave. Fuck the drinks, fuck the music, fuck the fun. When I had no money, I never used to go to clubs. I didn't have money to waste. And I was also training, so I didn't have much time to waste. Club would close at three. I'd walk in there at two o'clock when everyone was already drunk. I'd identify the five hottest girls in the club. I'd go up to them and talk some shit to all of them walk away with two phone numbers, and I'd go home. That was my nightlife done. I was there for fucking 35 minutes. Nightlife over. Next day, trying to get a date. So that's what we used to call Luke demanding the club, because the only reason we'd go out was to get girls. So most men would go out, hang around with their friends, drink beer, build up their confidence, all that garbage. When you're a G, you don't need none of that shit. In, to the point, out. Hit four or five nightclubs in a row, leave with fucking five or six phone numbers, done. Hey, the girl was particularly receptive, then you'd stay in the club trying to take her home at the end of the night, but... If you, you know, she, she's staying with her friends or da 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 and you don't think she's going to fuck, you just get the number and leave. But there's a few times I turned up at 2 o'clock, sober as a judge. By 2.45, I'm walking out with a bitch. Because that's how I roll. So why do we call this Luke the Manning? Well, Luke the Man was one of the pioneers of the game. Luke the Man taught my brother a lot about the game. Way back when. So this is about 11 years ago. My brother worked in a coffee shop in an airport. And one of the guys he worked with was called Luke. Luke was from the Ivory Coast Republic, one of the poorest countries in the world. Black as night, ugly as a motherfucker, broke as a joke, working in the coffee shop. But no matter the female, no matter how ugly, old, no matter how beautiful, no matter what, if they'd come up to that counter to get coffee, he would lay some game on them. He'd say, you're so beautiful, baby. I will give you a coffee, a special coffee from Luke, Luke the man. He used to call himself Luke the man. And my brother used to sit there and go, this guy's a fucking joke. Every single girl, he tries the same dumb shit. And at the end of giving them their coffee, he used to ask for their phone number. Every girl. Now, 90% of them told him to fuck off. 10% he got their number, he didn't fuck them. Every once in a while, he'd bang a real ugly one, whatever. About two months after my brother worked there, the guy, Luke the man, came in one day with a picture of a Hungarian girl who was a fucking 10. Like a porn star, 10. Naked pictures of this girl. And Tristan's like... Who the fuck is she? He goes, yeah, I, looked, I spoke to her at the coffee shop. He's like, no way did you get that girl here. He goes, yeah, two days ago I got to here. I was at her house last night. Tristan could not believe it. Like, how the fuck? This girl's a 10. You're the ugliest, brokest black dude I've ever known in my life. Your teeth aren't even straight. How the fuck did you bang her? 
It's like, I'm Luke the man. It's like, I don't give a shit. I'll go, I'll talk to every girl with confidence. Every girl with confidence. I'm mixed race, I'm half black, half white. This is the one thing the brothers have over the white guys. Black guys don't need money to get laid. Black guys can be broke with one leg. They still get laid because they're confident and they don't give a fuck. That's how they are. So black guys, you gotta worry. But here it is, he fucked a 10 out of 10. How many 10s have you fucked? You're probably sitting there going one, two. No, you've never fucked a 10. My 10 and your 10 are different. You've never fucked a 10. But Luke the man has. Luke the man's fucked a 10. He has less money than you and he's uglier than you. And he can barely speak fucking English. How? Because he didn't give a shit. Because Luke the man's a G. Luke the man has confidence and he'll talk to any bitch. That's how you gotta be. Luke the man knows about girls. Remember that story. And how to keep hot girls. Now, this is interesting because when I had my Twitter on Cobra Tape, people used to call me out on this. People thought I was a liar. But let me tell you something. I don't lie because I'm a G and my word is iron. And there is a level of pimpery you can attain where you can literally have a harem of females. I say this to people and people don't believe it. And when I say harem of females, I mean beautiful women who are loyal only to me, talk to no other men, who know about all the other women I fuck and still take dick and behave. It's almost like the best lawyers become judges. You know, and the best, the best players end up in my position when you have a harem of females. If you go back to the video where I was saying about how to get women, I was saying that it's important you be yourself. And here's absolutely why. To obtain a female can be done with game and rouge and his garbage books and tricks and tips. Maybe, maybe if she's drunk, you can pull that off. I know a couple of them that kind of half work, but I haven't even said them in the video because you know what? It's not, it's not the key to success. However, you cannot retain a female for any long period of time with an act. You can't pretend to be anyone other than you are forever because that's not, it's not, it's just not going to happen. Game lasts if she's drunk in the bar, but who you are is the only thing that's going to keep her around you. So when I said it's important you are yourself, it's because if you get a 10 out of 10, you don't want to fuck her once. You want to fuck her every day and you want to make sure she doesn't fuck anyone else and you want her to give you massages and you want her to look after you and you want her to listen to you. Well, then you have to be yourself. Cause she ain't gonna, who else are you gonna be? Me? You wish. Motherfucker, no, you gotta be yourself. So the only way you can really retain females over a long period of time is being yourself. So this is why I was telling you how important it is to be yourself at the beginning and also make yourself someone worth being in the other videos I was explaining it. But how to keep hot women, like I said, there's a level of pimpery you can attain where you can have literally a room of females. And I'm gonna tell you the key to this and it's remarkably simple. In fact, I'm gonna link back to one of my other videos I've already made, explain the dynamics between men and women I'm going to explain it again now and I'm going to go back to that video to go over it again. Women are biologically programmed to share their man. And they're biologically programmed to share their man. And you can look at this with scientific evidence because since the dawn of human time, 99% of females have reproduced. They contract the chromosomes. Whereas since the dawn of human time, only 19% of men have reproduced. What that's saying is all the kings and sheikhs and the best, biggest, strongest soldiers, like Big Daddy Tate, had all the pussy and all the other dudes had no pussy. There's no other way that could have possibly happened unless one dude had a ton of chicks. In fact, even nowadays, every king, every sultan, every sheikh, they all have loads of women. People are pretending it's not normal. It's not normal for a man to want more than one girl. Absolutely is normal. It's absolutely normal for men to have more than one woman. This is how we are. We're mammals like everything else. If you look at a lion's pride, if there's five men and five women, that's not ten happy, that's not five happy couples. No, it's one lion with five girlfriends and four lions who don't get pussy unless they beat the best lion in the fight. That's how lions work. That's how it works. So you can't say it's not natural. It's absolutely natural. And women are biologically programmed to share their man. If you're a high value man, 
A girl is happy to share you. I'm telling you. No, I take that back. She may not be happy to share you, but she'll fucking do it. It's kind of like, do you want a, a pedal bike that works every day without problems? Or do you want a Ferrari that works once a week? Well, most people say, well, yeah, I want the Ferrari. Because when it does work, it's worth it. That's what it's like with the women. I want Big Daddy Tate. Do I want a guy who's only with me and loyal to me and loves me? Or do I want Big Daddy Tate once a week when he ain't busy, even though I know he's all fucking other girls? I'm telling you, they will make that choice and they will choose you if you're high value enough. And the key to doing this is a few things. First, dick's got to be on point. That's something I ain't going to have to teach you. You better just go fuck a bunch of bitches and you'll learn. That's the first thing. But second thing, you have to be high value. All the other lessons I've ever given you. But the third and most important key to actually pulling this off is remarkably simple. The, the dynamic of cheating for a man is, is an awfully cowardly one. It's quite a cowardly act. Like, I have a girlfriend, and I'm fucking another girl, and I'm hiding all the messages, and I'm lying about where I'm going, and I'm sneaking out, and all this garbage. And, and when the girl finds out, she thinks you're a dickhead, she loses respect for you because you were such a little pussy about it. Do you know how I get away with doing what I do? I get away with it by saying to girls, yeah, are you, first I fuck them. I'm a nice guy till I fuck them because until you have sex with a girl, you have no control over her. So you gotta fuck her. First few weeks, you're fucking her, fucking her. You've been together three months. It's the honeymoon period. She's madly in love. You're fucking her, da 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 Where were you last night? Oh, I was with this girl. What, what, this girl what? starts going crazy. Yeah, I was with another girl, yeah. Look, I'm a full grown man. I'm 31. I'm six foot four. I do what I want with my body. I put my dick where I want. Yeah, I still love you. No, I don't love that bitch, but I fucked her. That's the reality. If you want to leave, leave. But that's what happened. And what they'll say is, why are you saying it like that? Why are you being rude? So I'm not being rude. Do you want me to lie to you? I don't lie. I told you I'd always tell you the truth, so I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. So you want me to lie to you from now on? And then they sit there, and this is what happens. One of two things happens. They leave, but if they leave, they never loved you in the first place. Because if they love you, they ain't going nowhere. Or they sit there, and women ain't that stupid. They think, okay, I love this man with all my heart, and he fucks someone else. Do I want to go and leave the man I love and try and find a man I don't love who's hopefully not going to cheat, who probably will? Like, they start doing the math, and they start just asking stupid questions. Like, well, how do I know you only like me? How do I know you don't like her? Who is she? All this bullshit. And you just got to shut it down. It's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Look, don't worry about it. You're the one I'm with. What happened happened. Don't worry about it. And they ain't going to go anywhere. I'm telling you, they ain't going to leave. Dick them right that night. It'll be fine. They'll be a bit pissed off. Whatever. But it grows into a lifestyle. They start to understand that's just who you are as a man. My girlfriend says to me, she goes, I know I couldn't change you, so I don't even try. She knows. She'll say to me, tonight, are you staying with me or, or out? She says out. But basically, are you staying with me or are you dicking someone else? She knows. She's a one million percent loyal to me. She talks to no other men, and she knows I fuck a whole bunch of women because I am programmed to fuck women. I'm not going to apologize for my biology, and neither should you. You have no reason to apologize for your human biology as a man. We are programmed to fuck because we don't get pregnant. Women get pregnant. Women have to be selective about who they sleep with because if they got pregnant in the olden days without a man to look after them, that's a death sentence. You're on the street with no man to look after you. The reason virginity was so respected in the olden days is because that's the easiest paternity test in the world. The only way you know who the man is is if she ain't fucked no one else. Otherwise, you don't know who the fucking baby dad is. No one wants to raise a kid that ain't theirs. There was no DNA testing back then. But men, we ain't gonna worry about none of that shit. We can fuck who we want. Run around, fuck, fuck, fuck. Why do you think people join the army? Why do you think the Romans fucking were walking in directions? Why do you think the, the Mongols destroyed Europe? For pussy. What the fuck else were they doing besides kicking ass and fucking? There was no video games back then. There was nothing else to do. There was no fucking Breaking Bad to watch. There was fucking girls. This is the natural order of men. It's just to fuck as many women as we can. 
So you can be the kind of man who either does it and tries to hide it like a little bitch, or you can just do it and just say, yeah, sorry, whatever. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Occasionally, you're going to lose some girls. There's the all girls like, I'm not putting up with this, and they run off. Whatever. Get a new one. Who gives a fuck? But if she truly loves you, and that's why it's important you don't implement it straight away. Give it a few months. Give everything on the If she truly loves you, fucking yeah, it happened. Sorry. Start off with it was a one-off. It happened. It was a one-off. Let her get over that. Then it kind of happens again. And then there's another girlfriend. Then, 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 you know, then you're sitting there. You're out. You're drinking. Talking about how you're going to play with the titties later. You say, you know what? I want to fuck you. I'm going to fuck the other girl. We're going to fuck you together. We're going to be sisters. You're going to hold hands. You're both going to call me daddy. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You are doing that. I'm not doing that. I bet one day you do it. She'll say no. I'm telling you, get her on her back. Start fucking her. Start talking about it. Watch her fucking smile. Every girl wants to do this shit, man. Obviously, this only works with like high-level hoes. You can't be saying to a 10, come fuck this five, because that's embarrassing to the 10. But if you have a Barbie doll bitch like I do, if you're banging with the best girls in the world, every, every 10 wants to fuck another 10. Girls like that shit. Girls are fucked up. Girls want, girls want tits in their mouth, just like you do. It's normal. So if she's bad, and the girl you're talking about is bad, and there's some alcohol going on, and both of them are subservient to you, the king, and you get your dick out, they're getting fucked. That's how it goes. And before you know it, you end up with a whole bunch of loyal girlfriends only to you. Now, is it all smiles and rainbows? No. Sometimes the girls argue. Sometimes they get jealous. Sometimes they don't get along. Blah, blah, blah. But they don't leave. So who cares? Sometimes I wake up on my phone. Well, this girl put this picture of you on Instagram. And I didn't put this picture. And it looks like she's your real girlfriend. I'm not your real girlfriend. Da-da. And I just have to read it. And it's like, whatever. Just a block or shut up. Or I'll reply like, I'll handle it. Do nothing. Have a coffee. And just chill. Whatever. Is, is she leaving me? No. Is she leaving me? No. I'll fuck her at 8. I'll fuck her at 10. I'll hit the club with my bro at 11. It ain't a thing. There's a level of pimpery you can attain where you can pull this shit off. And people call my... People on Twitter were like, you're lying, you're lying. Because they couldn't get their fucking head around my mastery. They couldn't handle the fact that they can't even get one girl to respect them. And I have multiple 10s loyal to me for years, subservient to me, sucking dick, Whenever I fucking say so. If I want to put a threesome together, it takes two fucking phone calls. Anyone who followed my old Twitter knew I went to Copenhagen. It's the worst place in the world. Fucking Copenhagen sucked. I made one phone call. I had two blondes on a plane. Never even met each other before. You're going to meet at the airport. Her name's this. Your name's that. Buying fucking priority seats. They sat there on the plane drinking vodka. So how long you known, Andrew? Da-da-da. Turned up. A few more martinis later. Bang. Dick fest. That's how I roll. You can roll the same. Remember, you're the man who can do anything. It's the first tenet of the G mindset. You can do anything you fucking want. So keep that in mind and you'll get it done. As for how to keep hot girls part two, we've discussed how to get them, discussed how to put your harem together. All of this is based on being the fucking man. You gotta get like to a G level. No woman's gonna share you with your little pussy. Why would she share a little pussy? Because she can go get another little pussy. But if you're something she can't get anything else of, she'd rather have half of the man than 100% of not the man. Like I said with the push bike and Ferrari. If Ferraris were everywhere, she wouldn't share her Ferrari. But if there's only one in town, she has to share it. And she knows. So now we're going to go on to like, a lot of people ask me, what do you do when your girl does this? What do you do when your girl does this? Like, almost like, how do you discipline your female? I'll tell you how. Women only give a shit about one thing. Attention. Females exist for attention. They start arguments for attention. They talk shit to you for attention. Everything they do is to get your attention. It's all they want attention. So what do you do? How do you keep hot women? Well, like I said earlier about getting hot women, you can never sacrifice your honor. 
You can't be running around beating girls up and that dumb shit. That's not cool. You can't do that on any level. What you can do is be ready to cut a hoe off ruthlessly. That's got to be your trump card at all times. I don't give a fuck if you're a 10 and you cook me breakfast every day and we've been together for five years and we're madly in love. Fuck with me too tough. It's done. Now, I'm not going to insult you. This is what men do. Men try and insult the girl or get back at her or tell her friends things or show naked pictures of her. All that's attention. That's all she wants. No. What you have to do is just say, okay, bye. Bye. Don't block her because if you block her, you have to leave it un leave her, leave, leave her unblocked. Leave her unblocked so that she feels like you couldn't message her any time, but you just don't. She doesn't understand. She's sitting there with her pretty ass going, I've never been with a man who just doesn't give a fuck. He just told me to leave and I've actually left and he doesn't message me and he totally ignores me. He totally ignores me like I don't exist. He saw me in the club and I was dancing on some other guy and I was drinking and I was trying to make him jealous and he totally ignored me. He did, Like I wasn't there. He didn't want to fight the guy, nothing. He just ignored me like I didn't exist. That's how you drive a bitch crazy. That is the number one thing a woman who's in love with you can't stand, the idea of being absolutely ignored. Because if she knows you inside out, like all the girls I've had to pull this on, the, thing that, the greatest thing about it is they know I'm not lonely. They know I'm not sitting at home alone. They know I'm fucking someone else. So then it's not about me. Then it's about them losing to other women. Then they're like, fuck, he's fucking all these other girls. He's having fun with those other girls. He's taking those other girls to places he used to take me. And he doesn't care about me anymore. And he's not, he's not messaging me. And I tried to make him jealous. I put, I put my Insta story with some guy. He doesn't, he doesn't even care. He doesn't even look at it. And like literally, I've had girls say to me, we split up. And you didn't even check my Insta story once. I'm like, why the fuck would I check your Insta story? I don't give a fuck about you. I'm going to check your Insta story. What the fuck? You're putting things on there to try and make me jealous. What am I going to look at that for? I'm not looking, you don't get zero attention from me. My attention is my only weapon as a man. Because that's all we have. We give women attention so they give us sex. So if the sex has to end for any reason, you don't need my attention anymore. That's my currency. I'm going to give it to someone who sucks dick. And you're not allowed to suck my dick. So bye. That's how it has to be. So how to get whole women. Because there's going to be times when you and your girl argue. That's fine. you got to make your point. Make it quick. Make it blunt. If she gets too fresh, just ignore her. This is how it's got to be. Because when a girl wants an argument... The reason they're so hard to reason with is because women have no shame. If they want an argument, it doesn't matter how logical you are. They just want the argument. They don't want a solution. So they're just going to keep arguing for the sake of it. It doesn't matter how correct you are. They want the argument. So you can't win. So why are you giving her... Because the argument is attention. It's basically like her coming to your attention wallet, your, your currency, and just taking it out. Fuck you. I'm not playing that. Cook me dinner. I don't want to cook you dinner. No, no, no. Cook me dinner. I don't want to find someone else while I'm out. What? You're going where? No, you're not leaving. You're not leaving. Well, I need to eat, bitch. You cooking or I'm leaving. Let her choose. I'm telling you, you've got to stick to your fucking guns. Attention is your number one weapon. So in this part two that people go, well, you have a harem of girls. You've got all these girls. What do you do when your girl gets fresh to you? But to be honest with you, my girls don't get fresh too much because it's, it's almost like, it's like the carrot and stick. But the stick has to be somewhere. they got to know it's there, but you don't have to pull it out that often. Like my dad was strict. And people think the idea of a strict dad is he kicks your ass all the time. No, the idea of a strict dad is he kicks your ass so badly once, he never has to kick your ass again. Like, they know. I knew. Do not fuck with him. Because I know the, the end result. And my girls know. They've tried it once. All of them have. And now they sit there and go, I can't push too much. Because he'll get, he'll get the stick off the wall. You've only got to do it one or two times. And then your threat means something. Because remember, the one of the rules in episode one. You mean everything you fucking say. So if you tell her, get the fuck out. She's going to start crying and panicking. I've got nowhere to go. As soon as you said it. Because she's going to like, shit, I ain't got nowhere to go. Maybe she has somewhere to go, but she doesn't want to go there. Who gives a shit? Point is this, you got to mean what you say. So you haven't got to be constantly disciplining them if you discipline them properly in the first time. And the only way you discipline a woman is to ignore her. I've had girlfriends I've ignored. I had a girl, I'll tell you a story, whatever. 
I had some girl, and I was fucking her. I was three months, whatever. She was madly in love with me, obviously. She got my name tattooed. She had King Tate tattooed here. Dark-haired bitch. I fucked her with my blonde girl. Fucked her all over the place. Jizzed all over her. And then she uh, wanted to go to the, the seaside here in Romania. She wanted to go to the seaside beach resort with her friends. She's like, please come, please come. I said, I'm busy. I ain't got time for that shit. She goes, oh, can I go? I said, to be honest with you, I don't really want you to go because I don't like you out partying without me. You shouldn't be doing that shit. She's like, please, 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 because you're going to go away soon with Vivian. So she knew. She's like, look, you're going to go away on holiday with, with your other girlfriend. Can I go away for three days with my friends? So I kind of reluctantly, that's the level. My girls literally bargain. They're like, look, I know you're going to go fuck her. So please, can I just go with my friends here? I was like, fine, whatever. So I let her go. Day one, she's messaging me, madly in love with me. Da, da. I ignored her just as a little punishment, little bit for going still. Ignored her. Anyway, day two, I'm in the club with T. These bitches walk in, me and T start macking on these hoes, these Moldovan girls, blah, 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 blah. This girl does an Instagram story and tags me in the Instagram story, me and her kissing in the club. The girl at the, the seaside fucking sees that, messages me, what the fuck? Da, 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 starts going mad about this new bitch I just found. I'm drunk, so I just like read and ignored. I don't give a shit. Um, and then she, at the rest of this, I don't know, I got a message from someone else saying she was at the seaside. She was trying to like dance with some guy to make me jealous or whatever. I didn't, I didn't check her Insta story. I didn't check her Instagram. Never spoke to her or whatever. I never spoke to that bitch again. I saw her in the club twice. Both times in the club, she tried to come up to me. And when I say ignore, I don't like push her away or something. Like I'm walking and she comes up to me and goes, Andrew, Andrew. And it's like, it's like, it's, no, it's not there. So I just walk straight. Like it, like it doesn't, like no one said nothing. Like she's a ghost. And nothing drives a bitch crazy, like being ignored. This pretty ass girl has never been ignored before. Never. It's been about four months now. And three days ago, she messaged me out of nowhere. She held on for all these months before she finally collapsed. Because after she sent me those messages about me with the girl and I left it ignored, we never spoke again. We never said a word on WhatsApp, never said a word, nothing. Then she messaged me, how's Tate, smiley face. Four months she gave in. Because she's like sitting there holding out like all the bitches do, going, he's gonna message me first, he's gonna message me first. I'm too busy getting my dicks up to message you first, bitch. I don't care because there's more of you everywhere. There's half the world are women. Even if I did miss you, which I don't because I'm too fucking gangsta. Even if I did, I'd just find someone who looks like you. I don't even, I'll close my eyes. I'll fuck a bitch who looks nothing like you with my eyes closed and pretend it's you. I don't, I don't care. I'm not going to start messaging you. Oh, you, you went to the seaside and you danced with a guy. I don't give a shit about those games. I ain't playing those games. You tried to make me fucking jealous like a basic asshole. You got ignored. Now you're begging for attention. She's back in London now saying, can I come for two days so we can talk? Bitch is about to fly international. Come here to talk. Get fucked, basically. She wants to fucking suck my dick, get fucked, and go, I love you, I made a mistake. Why? Because strength and honor. Because I stick to my fucking word. Because the only way to discipline a hoe is to ignore their existence. If she started dancing with that dude and I was like, what the fuck? What are you doing? Messenger, she'd be like, yeah, well, you were dancing with that girl. And it would just be some bullshit argument on WhatsApp, some bullshit talk. And even if we got back together, she wouldn't respect me the same because she knows she can annoy me by pretending to be a hoe. And like, it's, it's, just, it's just a mess. It's a mess. Why do I want to get back with a girl who knows she can bother me by acting like a hoe in a club? And then she's going to go to the club again. They're like, like, no, it's all a mess. She now knows the hard way. You fuck with Tate, you don't even get a message. You don't even get acknowledgement. You don't get fucking confrontation. You get nothing. Tate just disappears. You lose Big Daddy T. That's what happens when you fuck with him. So don't fuck with him because he'll just go and he'll fuck someone else and some other girl will be in love with his dick and I won't get any of it and I can't stand that shit. No one wants to miss out. FOMO, fear of missing out. You got to be on a level of fucking pimpery where these girls know if they're not fucking with you, they're missing out. That's how you punish females. 
So how to connect with millionaires and billionaires. This is uh, my favorite topic to talk about because it can transform your life. So way back in the day, when I had no fucking money, no connections, nothing. What did I do? I looked around at successful people and went up to them and said, what do you do? Yeah. Now, that sounds simplified, right? That seems very like, well, okay. But that, it's actually the implementation and doing it. I wrote about this on my blog years ago called The Power of Who You Know. I was 18 years old. I was on a plane. I looked over to my left or it was to my right. And this older gentleman's reading a political book. And I used to really be big into politics. Thought about going into politics. And so I commented on it intelligently. And we got to talking. We had this great two-hour conversation. We get done. He gives me his business card. He's like, look me up. I was living in Indianapolis. He was in Chicago. Come to find out he was the chief Supreme Court Justice of Illinois. Michael J. Gallagher. He's retired now. That's literally his name. Um, complete J and the fucking the Supreme Court Justice of Illinois. I mean, you realize the level. It's insane. So what I did at fucking 18 years old with no money, contacted him very politely like the next week. Hi, you know, Mr. Gallagher. Thank you, you know, for giving me your business card. You mentioned doing lunch. I'd love to, you know, take up that opportunity. If you, if you have time, that's okay. Very fucking respectful. Very conscious of their time. Not sitting on the phone for 30 minutes. And uh, he's like, absolutely, come to Chicago. Let's do this day at this time, etc. So I would drive three and a half fucking hours to Chicago from Indianapolis. And went to lunch with him. Introduced me to the governor of Illinois who happened to be in the restaurant. So you're talking an 18-year-old dumbass who was literally hobnobbing like the governor. It's insane. So we have lunch and I'd save some and I wore like my best suit that I had and everything like very, you know, proper. And, uh, I remember the bill coming and I said, you know, I'll get that Mr. Oh no, he's, I got it. And I remember him kind of smiling, thinking like smart of him to fucking offer to pay, but I've got it. Like not a big deal, but you want to offer, right? So it's always respect, always respect, conscious of their time. So anyway, we formed this friendship and mentorship, and he was influential in getting me a full ride to law school, which I passed up. Um, to this day, I mean, he was probably pissed about it. But the point is, is like I would have never gotten those opportunities if I wouldn't have actually just opened my mouth when I saw something that we could have common ground on, which was his politics book. So the thing is with connecting with millionaires and billionaires, and I have a million stories about like this kind of shit. You have to fucking take the initiative. People email me all the time. McQueen, how do I get a mentor? Go out and get one. Mentors are not, millionaires aren't sitting on the corner in their fucking Lamborghini going, hi, son, do you want some advice? They're not doing that. They're actually living their life. They're fucking busy. So what you have to do is you have to take the initiative. And you might go, well, you know, maybe um, I'm, uh, you know, maybe I'm just not important enough or they're going to blow me off. And maybe they will. So what? Find another one. There are millionaires and billionaires out there who are complete assholes. They're like, fuck off, kid. But you go out and you find another one. Where do you find them? This is the million dollar question. Where do fucking rich men hang out? Cigar, cigar clubs, cigar shops, um, golf courses, high-end restaurants, high-end lounges. But really, your big one is the cigar shops. Dead serious. Grand Havana Room in Beverly Hills was where I used to hang out at 23, 24, 25, 26 and met everyone from Charlie Sheen. It doesn't even matter about the celebrities. But the business that happened, and you can Google it, Grand Havana Room, Beverly Hills. It's a beautiful place. 
the connections you make in those places is mind-blowing. Now, it's a private club. How do you get in? Well, I had met another rich guy who said, um, come to the Grand Havana Room. I'm a member. You can be my guest. And then I got to know him, so I get to go whenever I want. Now, how did I even meet him? And this is the million-dollar fucking nugget of gold that you've got to take. And you've got to figure out your angle. I don't know you. I don't know your background. I don't know anything. I don't know where you live. What does this rich person not have that I can get them? And nine times out of ten, I'm telling you, it's going to be women. Right? So these rich dudes, obviously they can have hookers. They don't want hookers. Some of them like have hookers. What they want is they want girls that will hang out who want to be there, who are not getting paid. And that is how I met a lot of these people. So in LA, obviously I had tons of girls. And what I would do is they'd hit me up. Hey, McQueen, uh, you know, we're going to go to whatever. We're going to go to this restaurant. Do you want to bring some girls? Of course. Right? Because I had something they do not have. <clears throat> I didn't have money, but I had access to women. Just from like going out, you know, meeting girls or whatever. Like, hey girls, you know, I have a friend in town or he's rich dude. He's going to buy dinner. All right, cool. They would come and be fun and be cool and they're not hookers. And legitimately, these rich men love that because of the female energy. Who, who doesn't want to be around hot girls when they're eating? It's great. So that was my angle. So what you have to do is, is find your angle. What do you have access to that a rich person doesn't? And generally, it's not going to be a monetary thing, obviously. Like, it's not like you have a Ferrari and they have a Lambo, right? You probably don't have anything. Maybe you don't have any money. So what do you have? Well, you have knowledge now. And I will tell you right now, if you use social skills and fucking game to meet women and you have access to women, you happen to be out and you always have hot girls with you, guaranteed the rich dude in the club, the rich dude in the restaurant is going to be looking and think, who the fuck is this? They're going to come over and want to meet you, right? What do you do? Oh, I'm just, you know, just trying to, you know, trying to do my thing. I'm starting a business or whatever. Oh, this is, this is Claudia and this is Tiffany and this is Michelle. And you're going to see his eyes light up. And he'll probably even ask you, like, are they paying? Like, no, they're not. No. Wow. You know, here, here, let's exchange contact information. I have a jet. Let's fly to Vegas. Let's fly here sometime. Just bring some girls. Done. So, once again, it all comes back to pussy. Everything's driven by pussy. But legitimately, if you want to connect with millionaires and billionaires, you need to find your angle. You need to be able to provide value and provide something. Now, a lot of you are probably sitting there going, but I don't have, I don't have any value or I don't have any leverage. Make it, then make the leverage. Figure out your angle and then make it happen. So I don't know your situation, so I can't tell you exactly, do this, do that. But you have to find your angle and then you also need to hang out in places where successful people hang out. If you're hanging out at fucking Pizza Hut and at the mall and you're in Hot Topic or fucking American Eagle, if it's even around anymore, and you're hanging out in those places, you're not gonna be meeting millionaires and billionaires. Go to where the source is, even better if you're a super young cat, fucking get a job at a golf course as a caddy. You want to talk about learning about business. Be the motherfucker that carries the golf clubs and listens to the business guys talk all day long because a lot of deals get cut on the golf course. Get a job at a private airport, sweeping the fucking runway, whatever. That's a great job. I had that job years and years ago too. Get a job at a cigar shop. Even if it's a menial bullshit job, it will give you access to these people and you're fucking polite and you're cordial and you know how to handle yourself and you're not an idiot because you're using all of the knowledge in this course. Guarantee the opportunity is going to come where you're going to, you know, I'm sure I have to ask you, know, like, what do you, what do you do exactly? I'm very curious. You know, I'm a young guy. I just would love to get some advice. And you know what? For even now, because I'm getting older, people do it to me. 
and obviously they're my brand. But we want to help. If you come at me respectfully, then I want to help you. I want to provide knowledge. I want to see you excel because it's a way of giving back. And if they're a truly good person, they want to give back. So that's how you connect millionaires and billionaires. Find your angle. Get in the places where they fucking hang out. I'm telling you, you have to do that. You cannot sit at home or at fucking Pizza Hut and go, I don't know where the millionaires and billionaires are. And it doesn't matter where you live. You can live in Ohio. You can live in the middle of fucking Belgium, wherever. There are always rich people in those cities. And you need to connect with them, find out what they do, and maybe it's something you want to do too. Global G lifestyle, this is absolutely and utterly important. Once you get your life half in order, once your money starts coming in, there's a few things you have to do. And this is something I was ultra paranoid about for a very long time. And that is basically, in one form or another, get off the grid. But it's extremely difficult to get off the grid and still live a normal life. We live in a digitized society. You still need certain things. You need an address. You need a passport. You need a driver's license. There's certain things you need. So to a degree, you're going to be on the grid. So when I was sitting there thinking, how do I prevent people from fucking with me? Because that's what's going to happen. If you start making exorbitant sums of money, you start traveling the world, you start fucking a whole bunch of girls. You're going to have girls who might come at you after you with a court case. You might end up with some police problems. You might drive too fast, whatever, whatever, whatever. People are going to start to fuck with you. Quick side note, when I had no money, I used to think, how do all these lawyers make money? Like, who needs a lawyer? And as soon as you have a shitload of money, you start spending loads of money on lawyers. Lawyers are like a tax on the rich. As soon as you have money, you see you're going to end up in court cases for dumb shit that you never thought you'd end up in court cases for. So your life's going to change. So for a long time, I was sitting there pondering, how do I get off the grid? I did a few things. I put all my mail to a PO box. My mail doesn't come to my house, so no one knows directly where my address is because that's how police and agencies find you. They look where you're signed up for mail to arrive and, and they come and they turn up at your door. So there's little things you can do like put your mail to a PO box. But what I actually found is because we live in a world where it's nearly impossible to get off the grid, the best thing to do is to be on as many different grids as possible. So when I say that, what I mean is you need, and this is an absolute essential component, you need to have multiple passports. You need to have multiple driver's licenses. You need to have plenty of copies of these very important documents so that you're not at the mercy and whim of one particular government. So I'll give you an example. I have four passports. I won't name them all, but I have a British and an American and two others. I have five driver's licenses from five different countries. So there's been a point in my life where I got up, got on a plane, flew to a country, went to a driver's school, said, how do I get a driver's license? They said, you need a residence, you need an address, you need this, you need this. And I spent six weeks doing whatever it took, starting bank accounts, getting residency, getting a fucking tenancy agreement, anything it took to pass that driver's test and get that driver's card. Because now, if I take that card outside of the country, the country I'm driving in does not have jurisdiction to affect my driver's license. So for example, you're driving in England or driving in America. Let's say England, I know England. You're driving in England, you drive too fast, the police stop you, you give them your English driver's license, they take the license. Well, in England, if I'm driving too fast and they stop me and I give them a Thai driver's license or an American or a Romanian or an Estonian driver's license, they, the British government, the British state does not have the right to affect that license. They cannot take that license from me. All they can do is take me to court, which is a long process, and ban me from driving on their particular roads. My license is not affected. Even if they do ban me from driving on their roads, and they ban my Thai license, for example, I'll just pull out a different license. You see, I'm now above the law. I'm now above the law with speeding. Same thing with passports. I have multiple passports. I have the most powerful passports on earth. I can look at a country and go, do I need a visa? Well, I do with this passport, but I don't with this one. And this is all something I've consciously gone out of my way to do. Then, when you have multiple driver's licenses and multiple passports, and it's something you need to dedicate a year of your life to, you just say, you know, I'm gonna spend a year, I'm gonna go to countries, I'm gonna do anything it takes to pass the driving test, get the driving license, get the passport, etc. because it's extremely important. 
Once you've done that, you can open up banks in lots of different countries. So I have in maybe 11 different countries, sums of money sitting in bank accounts. All in English, internet banking, all in English, sitting all over the world. Who the fuck knows what's gonna happen? Do you know what's gonna happen? America might get invaded, my fucking nuclear bomb, whatever, whatever. I don't wanna talk conspiracy theories. The point is my money's spread out, my passports, my ability to travel is spread out. I've decentralized myself. Talk about the blockchain, I am the blockchain. My ability to drive is spread out. You can't pin me down and take my license and refuse to allow me to drive a car, you can't. So who are you gonna to speak to? You gotta to speak to six different governments. Do you know how long that's gonna take? Then you have to prove I, I committed an offense bad enough for them to take away the license. They don't give a shit. You wanna to write to Bangkok and tell the Thais I was speeding in England? You think they give a fuck? They don't give a fuck, they ain't taking my license away. Nobody cares because although the world is connected, we are, not, we are not yet, thankfully, at a level where everything is completely globally interconnected. So what you need to do is go on plenty of different grids, decentralize yourself, blockchain yourself to the point where you have multiple passports, multiple bank accounts, multiple driver's licenses in plenty of different countries, lots of residences, lots of nationalities, so that you're completely above it all. And heaven forbid, worst comes to worst, police put out a warrant for your arrest and block your passport, you got five more. So who gives a fuck? How to travel like a G, right? This is gonna be quick to the point, how to travel like a G, because what's gonna happen is you've got your multiple passports, you've got your multiple driver's licenses, you now have an income that's coming in, you can go anywhere you want, you believe you can do anything, you're now the fucking king of the world. So you're gonna go to a lot of places. I've been to 71 countries, I've been to places as crazy as Iraq, I've been to the most boring standardized places like Thailand, blah, blah, blah. I've been everywhere. I'm gonna tell you a few travel tips. These are non-negotiable travel tips. So if I say something and you disagree with me, fuck you. Point one, you don't need checking luggage. I'm tired of seeing fucking full-grown men with big-ass suitcases chucking, checking in luggage. You don't need that much shit as a man. You really don't. And it doesn't matter how long you go away for. It doesn't matter if you go away for two months. It doesn't matter if you go away for two weeks. All hotels have laundry service. You're a fucking full-grown man. You're not a girl with shoes and designer clothes. No one gives a fuck what you really wear. You need a check-in bag. You need to stay light. You need to stay flexible. Couple pairs of trousers, couple shirts, couple pairs of shoes, some underwear, some socks getting washed overnight in your whichever hotel you're staying in in the laundry service. If there's a real big issue and you need another t-shirt, go buy one for $15. Who gives a fuck? Done. Toiletries, once again, you can buy when you get there. I don't have toiletries in my check-in bag because I can't be asked with the fucking TSA security people tearing through my bag. I've been away for three months on, on half a backpack. I still look good every day. It's fine. Get yourself washed like you would at home. You do not need big, sec you do not need big cases of luggage. Luggage slows you down. Luggage is weight you do not need. You're a full-grown man. Check-in luggage only. If you struggle to complete this, if you struggle, if you're about to go on holiday and you're struggling to fit everything you really need in a check-in luggage, and you do not understand what a man really needs. You need to get more fucking brazen and more barren with your, with your necessities in life. Toiletries you can buy when you land. You're already wearing one set of clothes when you take off. Couple other sets of clothes, couple pairs of shoes, done. Do not check in a bag. Because one, firstly, just don't be a coward, and I said so, don't check in a bag. And two, that shit slows you down, man. The time you wait in the fucking line to check it in, then when you land, you gotta wait for the luggage to come out. I'm in and out. I'm in and out of airports. When you fly as often as me, you gotta learn to be in and out. I turn up, my boarding pass is printed off, straight through security, bang, get on the plane, bag in the overhead, take the bag off the overhead, through passport control, out the front of the airport. I ain't waiting for no fucking luggage conveyors. I ain't waiting for them to unload no planes. Do you know, I've seen fucking, last time my, my girl should check the bag in, we were going to Vilnius, Lithuania. And there was some problem unloading the plane. We were there for an hour and 15 minutes waiting for the fucking bag. I ain't got time to waste. My life is short and I'm living a good life. I ain't got time to fucking waste. Do not check in bags. That's the first thing. Second thing, if you're traveling with a female, females are slow, they're annoying, they're cumbersome. Females are not flexible. Females are not fast on their feet. 
If you're traveling with a female, that's fine. You have to book your hotel in advance. You have to organize everything because women have no ability to, to, to move like quickly. But if you're traveling with just your boys, the best thing you can do is fuck all that garbage off. Don't plan shit. Planning things, one, it hinders your fun. And two, flexibility is the, probably the largest part of this entire course. We're talking about the flexibility to do what you want, flexibility to earn how you want to earn, wear what you want, act how you want, fuck girls you want. That's what flexibility is. If I'm going to go to a country, if I'm going to go to Chile, I'm going to land in Santiago. I don't have a fucking hotel. I'll just fucking rock up in Santiago. I'll try and land in the middle of the day so you know I'm not struggling around at night. And I'll fucking go around, I'll check out the different areas of town, I'll find an area of town I like, or a restaurant I like, or a bar I like, or whatever, whatever. I'll talk to some local people, I'll see what they recommend. Then I'll walk in there with my fucking checking bag and book a hotel room. Because I've got money in the bank anyway, it doesn't make a difference. It's no cheaper if you book it in advance, that's all garbage. If you book these fucking package holidays, yeah. But if you're just fucking going to a hotel to book it, it's no fucking difference. So fuck that shit. Stay flexible unless you're traveling with a woman. Don't ever do that shit with a woman because the woman's gonna have a big ass fucking check-in bag, fucking be getting in and out of taxis. She's gonna get all angry and moody because you're trying to ask her to move quickly because she's a stupid bitch. Females are slow, cumbersome, and annoying. So you have to understand that this is only a trick for when you're traveling with your boys. This is the next thing. Next thing. People say don't advertise your wealth if you're going to dangerous places. I wouldn't say that's necessarily true. What I'd say is just make sure that the crew you're with is, is a few people deep if you're gonna go to a dangerous place. I went to Iraq with about 10 guys. Yeah, an AK-47 could have killed us all, but you never know. Maybe it only shoot eight of us and the other two could carry us out. So depending on where you're going to go, if you really start going to crazy places, you do need to have people with you. You see some of these travel bloggers, especially the ones on Facebook, the real fucking liberal little cuck ones going, I went to Iran and it's super nice here. Yeah, but you're, you're, not, you're not a target. You're not a target as a person because you're a little tiny person spending no money, hiding in the shadows, typing away on your blog. If you're going to do the shit I do, if you're going to roll up and ball out and fucking try and get pussy and spend money and bop, bop, bop. You need to make sure that you have some crew with you if you're going to be going to these dangerous kind of places. Flying first class. People message me about flying private. I've flown private a few times. Private flying. Flying private school. But that's a, that's a whole level of money you're probably not going to obtain. So let's talk about flying first class. Flying first class is only worthwhile if you need to sleep when you land. Because although it seems like a lot of money to sleep, that's the only time I fly business or first class. If I know that I'm going to spend that money, but I'm going to have a real comfortable flight, I'm going to sleep, I'm going to nap, I'm going to be in good shape. And then when I wake up uh, at the destination, I'm ready to rock and roll. If you land at 7 a.m. at a place and you have a meeting, or you only have a few days in a place you ain't got time to waste recovering, that's when I fly first class. Otherwise, to be honest with you, even when you're at super high income, the price for first class is very rarely worth it. That's, that's the truth. Fly coach, what the fuck? And that doesn't mean don't take sleeping pills like a little bitch or whatever. Just fucking sit and coach. I'm six foot four. If I can sit and coach, you can sit and coach. It's not that big a deal. And you can save that money. If I fly to Thailand from Bucharest, coach, it's about 600 euro. First class is 4,000 euro. So doing with that extra 3,400 euro, that, that's my entire trip in Thailand for a month. I could probably make that last for a month easily. So just for the flight, I mean, unless I'm really doing like a real short term in and out, if I'm going to Monaco and I've got, or I'm, Monaco's too close. If I'm going to New York and I have an important business meeting, I'll fly first class so I can land in the morning, do the meeting, leave the same night, something like that. Otherwise, you don't need first class in, in general. That's, that's a waste of time. So you have your bag. You haven't had to check it in. You're only flying first class if you really need to. Otherwise, your coach is no problem. You have two passports. You have a couple of driver's licenses. Cash, people ask me if they should take a lot of cash with them. You need to mix it up. I mean, like I say, we live in a modern world. I don't really believe in the whole going to currency exchanges thing. It doesn't make sense to me. If you have $10,000 for your trip, and then you go to the currency exchange, you convert it to 10,000 local, then you have to worry about losing that money. You can go to any ATM in the country, wherever you are basically, and just draw money out in their local currency. Okay, is it the best possible exchange rate? No, but you get money out as and when you need it. It's better than having a whole shit ton of money sitting around. 
and you can only travel with a certain amount of money internationally anyway. So I'd have a little bit of cash, but in general, you can just use your card, have money, have three or four different cards, have different banks, tell the banks in, in, in advance. Be careful of where you go, obviously. Common sense shit that I don't have to fucking tell you. If you go to a dangerous place, roll a few people deep, and then it comes to girls. That's what a lot of people who are asking who are on this course are about girls. They're saying, well, if you get girls in this country, da 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 Only bit of advice I'd say with girls is this. If you're gonna bring a girl back to your hotel, put your shit in the safe. Simple. The number of guys I know have lost their Rolex or watch or passport. I'm like, well, where was it? They're like, in my hotel. So like, where's the girl? In my hotel. So just put it in the safe. Every hotel is a safe. Like, put your shit in the safe and then you can do whatever you want. Then fall, bang her, fall asleep. What you gonna do? Unless she's a complete psycho, she's gonna stab you in the neck. Which, you know, she wouldn't get away with that me because I'm a ninja, but for you average humans, you have to think about that shit. But in general, that ain't gonna happen. And if you're gonna get robbed, it's your own fault. I knew dudes who got robbed by some hookers in Thailand. Like, you brought hookers back to her house in Thailand and left money all over the place and just went to sleep. Like, come on, guys. Common sense. This travel tip video really is absolute common sense. The, the two, the only two real tips that are actually important for traveling is one, do not check in a bag. Find a way to avoid that at all costs. That's the first thing. That's the most important thing. And two, have a couple passports with you. But that comes from the previous video. You'll see. Uh, you should always have two passports with you anywhere you are, whether you're traveling or not. I do have a couple crazy travel stories. I got kidnapped in Jamaica. Uh, I got arrested and accused of being a spy. In fact, I'll tell you the kidnapped in Jamaica story later, but for now, here's the time I was arrested and accused of being a spy in a country you've never heard of. I'm going to do something I've yet to do on my YouTube channel, just tell you all a quick story. The first half of this story is actually all on video as part of a web series I made called The Hateful Tape, which nobody watched. But I'm going to tell you the very quick version of it. If you want more detail, I recommend you watch the video. We're going to link it in here. Anyway, so me and my brother, we decided... A long time ago, there's going to be lots of pussy at the Eurovision Song Contest. We came to this conclusion because lots of people go there from all around the world. It's pop music. It's bullshit. We thought there'd be some hoes. So we thought, fuck it. One of these days, we have to go to Eurovision. Last year, it was in Kiev, Ukraine. Ukraine is some of the hottest girls in the world. So we thought, fuck it. We're going to go to Eurovision. This is the year to do it. We're going to go to Kiev. We decided this about two days before Eurovision. All the flights into Kiev were completely booked. It was extremely difficult to get into the country. So we thought, how the fuck are we going to do this? Right now, we're in Bucharest, Romania. This is my house. We look at a map. We're about six hours from the Moldovan border. So we thought, fuck it. We're going to drive. We jumped in the car, started driving, got six hours to the border of Moldova, and they wouldn't let us through the border because we didn't know at the time. We need to have the original paperwork to go into Moldova because all the cars in Europe that are stolen end up in Moldova, so they're very strict at the borders unless you bribe them, which I tried to do and they wouldn't accept because they didn't know me. You need to have the original document. We can't, there's no like way we can, is there a fine or a, we pay a fine or a penalty? Anything we can do? It's not about the penalty or... It's about the car, car that cannot leave the country. You have to have the original paperwork. We only had photocopies of our paperwork. We don't keep the original paperwork in the car. So they wouldn't let us through. So we parked our car at a train station in a town called Yash on the border of Romania. We then went up to a taxi, said, can you take us to Chisinau, which is the capital of the neighboring country, Moldova. It's effectively being in France and saying, can you take me to Berlin, the capital of Germany. It's a long taxi drive. Finally found a guy who would do it. What's the train? What's the train? One three zero. Europe. Europe. For more money than we should have paid. He took us to Kishinau. When we were in Kishinau, we had to negotiate a way to Kiev. We found an overnight train and we got there. Problem is, on that overnight train, I nearly got robbed. That train is completely mafia run. That train is, you can bribe your way in and out. You don't have to show a passport. You don't have to go through customs. So all the Russian mafia who travel in and out of Romania and Moldova come in and out by train. They do not go by plane. So that's a mafia run train and that was a very difficult and scary experience. Up until this point, all of this is recorded and part of the Hateful Tate series that we're going to put a link to, so feel free to watch it and find the details of me nearly getting robbed, uh, Kishinau, the train, all that shit. So anyway, the web series ends, 
Eurovision's over. Me and my brother are in Ukraine. We gotta get out. So we're like, how the fuck do we get out? All the planes are booked for another week. We don't want to stay in Ukraine for another week. We don't want to take the train again because of what happened the first time. So we're like, well, you can't fly. You can't take a train. Can't take a boat. The only way is to drive. We gotta get a, we gotta drive out here somehow. So we're going from taxi driver to taxi driver to taxi driver saying, can you drive us to Romania? And it turns out that Ukrainians at the time, which has now changed, I believe, needed a visa to get into Romania. So it was very difficult to find a taxi driver with a visa who was prepared to do a fucking 18-hour drive at a whim. So we're sitting around Ukraine for 12 hours. Every taxi driver, I'm ordering Ubers. I'm calling everyone up saying, look, I need to get to Romania. I'll pay. A I, I mean, it's, I was offering five, six times the market rate. Like I was saying, look, I'm going to give you two grand. Remember, these people make $250, $300 a month. I was offering them $2,000 US dollars for one drive. It's like, get me to fucking Romania. I've got shit to do. I've got to get out of this country. Eventually, a guy, we meet a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. He says, I have a guy who has a visa to go into Romania, and he's a very good driver. He's an ex-rally driver, and he's going to drive you. And we're like, well, thank fuck. Let's go. So anyway, me and my brother, he said, meet us here at this time. So 11 o'clock at night, me and my brother are standing on a street corner waiting for fucking Mr. No Name to turn up in the middle of Kiev, Ukraine. It's a dangerous city. We're standing there, combat mode, obviously, chilling. The guy turns up. Now, I expected, like, ex-rally driver, some kind of super G to turn up. Some little fucking, some loser turns up. Some dude. Must be about fucking 17. Hi. I'm like, hi, who are you? He goes, oh, I'm your driver. I thought you were a rally driver. He goes, I was a rally driver. Like, when? When you were 12? Like, what the fuck? Since when do you drive when you're 12? We're like, whatever. You got a visa? He goes, yeah, I got a visa. We're like, okay, we trust you. So anyway, Mr. 12-year-old decides to drive us. Tristan goes, Tristan's nervous in cars. My brother's been in four car accidents, none of which he's been driving. He's always been the passenger in cars when cars have been wrecked. Car accidents people have died in, like big car accidents, but my brother being a Tate doesn't die easy. So he's very nervous in cars. He goes, I'm fucking, I'm a bit nervous. It's an 18 hour car drive. We've got fucking 12 year old driving us. There's no street lights in Ukraine. Ukraine doesn't even have 3G on the mobile phone. You have to have Wi-Fi. You, even if you have a Ukrainian SIM, you can't check Facebook, Twitter, nothing. Ukraine is, is much poorer than Romania. I didn't expect that. Romania is a poor country. Ukraine's a fucking poor country. It's a war zone. It's a fucking war. Anyway. So there's no street lights, the roads are bad. Tristan's a bit nervous because you know what? Oh, this is gonna be a long ass drive. Let's get a bottle of vodka. Let's go, like, all right, cool. So we go into the store. I remember this because of how cheap it was. We've got two Snickers bars, a bottle, one liter of vodka, two uh, cartons of cherry juice, and a pack of peanuts for two euros, including the vodka, including a liter of vodka, two euros. Fucking crazy cheap. So we buy the vodka anyway. So we get in the car. We're sitting in the back of the car drinking vodka. We're driving down these roads, pitch black, can't see shit. We don't know where we are. Our 3G isn't loading on our phones, so we can't see where we are. We're just sitting in the back drinking vodka, talking shit. Mr. Rally Driver's telling us about his imaginary rally career. Motherfucker who didn't even finish high school. He ain't been rallying for nobody. So we're driving, 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 driving. All of a sudden, me and Tristan, we're, this is about six hours in. Liter of vodka's gone. So between me and T, we've had half a liter each or whatever. We're a little bit drunk. We're chilling. I see someone out the side of the car. Blacked out. Head to toe black. I said, Tristan, you see that? But it's black out anyway. He's like, what's that? I said, who the fuck is this? We're driving down this bumpy road. Tristan's looking out the window and there's another dude. Blacked. I mean, black balaclava, black ski mask, black jumpsuit, black head to toe. What the fuck? At this point, me and him are drunk. It's two o'clock in the morning. We're on the border of Ukraine. We have no idea where. We're staring at our windows and we start seeing all these guys dressed in complete fucking black. And Tristan's like, okay. So we say to the rally driver, where are we? He goes, oh, Ukraine. We're like, where in Ukraine? Now, I had a friend who once got robbed in Ukraine. He got into the back of a taxi, and the taxi driver was driving. The taxi driver stopped. Two guys got in each side of him while he was in the back, both with knives, put the knives to him and robbed him. So I thought, okay, so we're about to get fucking robbed. So I said to the rally driver, I said, my friend, you better fucking hope I get home. 
He's like, what? I said, you better fucking hope I get home alive. I'm not the kind of guy you want to fuck with. Even if you kill me, you better hope I get home alive. So I start threatening the taxi driver. I'm making it clear. I ain't dying easy. If I die, I'm taking you with me, you fucking loser. I thought he was about to set me up. Anyway, all of a sudden, car stops. Get out of the car, get out of the car. You hear all these people get out of the car. Me and Tristan look at each other like, for fuck's sake. Like, we should have known better. This is Ukraine. Shit's about to go down. So we get out of the car. The people who are dressed head to toe in black turns out are Russian soldiers. All Russian soldiers. Now, I'm going to give you all a quick geography lesson because I didn't know any of this geography up until this event, which I researched post. So here's the geography lesson. When the USSR fell in the early 1990s, Moldova was being established as a country. Uh, Moldo there's part of Moldova that wanted to remain pro-Russian. Moldova is like half Romania, half Russia. Half the people speak Romanian, half the people speak Russian. It was all part of the USSR, meaning it spoke Russian. When the USSR fell, the Romanians gained influence, and all the Russian population were afraid that when the country officially changes to a Romanian-speaking government, they're going to steal all the money, which is exactly what they did, because it's a corrupt country. So the Russians wanted to remain part of Russia, so civil war kicked off. And to this day, even though this war was in 1992, there's an area of Moldova called Transnistria, which wants to be part of Russia, which isn't part of Russia. Like a Crimea, breakaway micronation, it's about 20 or 30 kilometers in length tiny little dot on the map which i'd never fucking heard of up until this point so me and my brother got out the car russian soldiers from head to toe blacked out and not just soldiers not like you imagine a soldier with like a green thing on and a gun special forces blacked out and the reason they were there is because all the crimea war shit was just going down at this time the crimea peninsula and all this crap and in fact i read it when i was researching posts that the, Euro the european union was concerned that the next place russia would annex would be transnistria because they had such a pro-russian mindset so the Russian government has kept a military presence there since 1992, and it was fucking loaded with, with Russian soldiers. We just got the car with our hands up. They got guns pointed at us. We're like, yeah, well, what, who the fuck are you? Like, this is more than just a routine robbery. They even had our Mr. fucking rally driver at gunpoint. So we're all at gunpoint. They take us, arrest us, march us, sit us down in this room. And they're like, who? Firstly, they start talking to us in Russian. It's like, my friend, we don't speak Russian. It was a good 10 minute conversation with them yelling at us in Russian and us saying we don't speak Russian until they finally agreed to find someone who spoke English. I don't think they even believed we didn't speak Russian. I think they were sure we spoke Russian before they finally conceded. Left the room, these two big fucking guys, and got some other fucking huge dude to come sit down with his broken ass English. And he said, what are you doing here? I said, what am I doing where? I'm trying to go back to Romania. So where did you come from? I said, the Eurovision Song Contest. So what the fuck else? Now, I've probably, a lot of times people have looked at me like I'm a dickhead in my life, but the biggest, the most important event in my life, or the time I was looked at like the biggest dickhead ever, was this Russian soldier looking at me and my brother, three o'clock in the morning in the middle of a fucking micronation war zone, and I said I'd been there, I'm there because of the Eurovision Song Contest. He looked at me, he's like, this guy's either the biggest idiot I've ever met, or a brave motherfucker. Anyway, by completely terrible coincidence, my brother and I were wearing black, we had black t-shirts on. I had black jeans. He had black jogging bottoms on. He said, why are you dressed in black? I said, I don't know, man. We just got a taxi from Retrain. We're trying to go back to Romania. He goes, you're impersonating soldiers. It's three o'clock in the morning. You're pretending you come from Eurovision. You're dressed in black. What are you doing here? So they accused us of being American spies. We're like, we're not spies. We just want to go back to Romania. We're sitting there in the interview room. They come in. Now, let me tell you one thing that did actually cross my mind, because I'm a combatant individual. That's what I do. That's what I did for a living. So it always crosses my mind to fight. I always got some mind thinking, okay, this situation's pretty bad. Can I fight my way out of this? There's two guys in the room with me, both armed. They're both big guys, but I could probably take them hand to hand because it's close combat. But once I get out, there's fucking like 30 guys. They had attack dogs, Rottweilers, the whole fucking lot. So there's no way I can fight my way out of this. All I can do is try and like go along with the fucking process. They bring our suitcases out the car. They pour all our shit on the floor. 
The dogs start going through our suitcases. These guys start ruffling through our stuff. They search me and Tristan. They take, uh, we had to take our t-shirt off, take our jeans off. We're standing there in our fucking underwear, handcuffed in a fucking little booth. I'm gonna try and Google and find a picture of the exact spot so you can see it. A little booth in Transnistria being accused of being American spies. We have American and British passports at three o'clock in the morning. We're in a micronation breakaway. I was desperate to get on my phone. The reason for this is I just actually met Donald Trump Jr. about a month or a month and a half before this. So I have him on WhatsApp. He's my boy. And I've got two or three very important Romanian politicians, high level, like Secretary of State, etc. on WhatsApp. So I thought, I can just get to my WhatsApp and just send some messages. The Russian, they're going to want to kill me. I mean, they're going to keep me for a while. This might go on a few weeks. Let me just get on WhatsApp and speak to some important people and try and get the fuck out of here. So I was saying, look, guys, just give me my phone. I've got a guy in Romania who can speak Romanian and Russian, and you can talk to him, and he'll explain to you that I'm not a spy. I'm just a fucking idiot who went to a shitty song contest and got in the wrong taxi. My taxi driver, Mr. Moron, decided to drive through a fucking war zone. I didn't know. I didn't know this was still technically a war. I had no fucking idea. I look at the rally guy who was kept separate to me and T. I kept looking out the window, and the rally guy was still out on the gravel road. So I should have known not to trust a 12-year-old. He's standing outside with a gun pointed at his head, fucking wet in his pants. Me and Tristan are sitting there, arrested in our underwear, handcuffed, saying, look, we're not spies, we're not spies. Why are you dressed like soldiers? We're not spies. Anyway, I sat and said to the guy, I said, look, let me get my phone. I'll make some phone calls. This will go away. He says, you're not going to touch your phone for a very long time. I said, my friend. He said, don't call me your friend. I said, fine. I'm not a spy. I'm an idiot. Just take the money that's in my bag and let me go. And this is what I love about corrupt countries. He didn't say yes or no. He spoke to turn to his friend and said something in Russian. Da, 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 da. They spoke in Russian for a few seconds, and I can guess what he said. He said, count how much money's in his bag. They went in my bag, and they started going through my bag looking for money. And they went through it, and they found about 7,000 American dollars. And they sat there, and he goes, I never, instantly. There was no pretending that they weren't going to do it. They found the 7,000. It was actually quite nice of them, because they could have just took it and kept me, to be fair. But I guess, you know, they were men of honor. He goes, okay, here's the deal. I never want to see you again. I was like, trust me, my friend. I guarantee you're never going to see me again. They took the 7,000, they let us put our clothes back on, they load us back in the taxi with the dork, and they escorted us out with one of those fucking Humvee trucks with guns pointing us the entire time straight out to that fucking Tiraspol or wherever we were. So what's the moral of this story? The moral of this story is quite, there's quite a few morals. One, don't take the train from Kishinev to Kiev if you want to live. Two, don't take taxis from Kiev to anywhere if you want to live. Don't go to war zone. Stay out of that part of the world. This is a part of the world that no one goes to. I live in a part of the world that basically no one goes to. And then I go a little bit further to the area where literally nobody goes. No one speaks English. There's no big Americans there. I live here because I make money here. But really, it's a crazy part of the world. The reason I'm telling this story is because me and my brother and I are due to go back there in two days. We tried to avoid going. But a friend of ours invited us. He said, look, we got some work there. We got some business there. You're going to make some money. On top of that, there's a miniskirt competition. I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to go to a miniskirt competition in a war zone? Like, what the fuck? Like, there's a whole bunch of beautiful-ass women who can't escape. And they like, miniskirt competitions. It's a crazy place. No one goes there. Nobody goes here. I've been, I know I've given all of you a geography lesson. None of you have heard of this place, for sure. And now you're all on Google, like, what the fuck? So anyway, I'm going there in two days' time. Hopefully, I don't run into my friend, the border guard. This time, I've actually got a visa. I've been, I've seen my boys in Romania. I've got a high-level visa, Romanian visa, saying, look, he's a diplomat. He's allowed to come, blah, blah, blah. So hopefully, they'll let me in and out with ease. But um, subscribe, because... Everything that goes down while I'm there in a couple of days' time is going to end up on the YouTube channel. That's exclusive, so you have to be subscription, otherwise you're not going to get it. Subscribe for that, and if you want any more details on this amazing story, like I said, watch the Hateful Tate series, and you'll see everything that went down.
So now you've completed the course, or maybe you jumped ahead and you watched this video. Some people do that, right? They jump to the last, last video or whatnot. But here's what I want you to take away from this entire course. Implementation. Actually implement it. Don't watch this. Be like, wow, CMQ's awesome. Andrew's awesome. This is so cool. It's entertaining. Obviously, Andrew's super entertaining. You've been watching him for fucking days. But actually take the information, dissect it, and read between the lines. A lot of the stuff that we're saying might seem simple. You might be like, well, shit, I thought you know, I was going to learn something that was just mind-blowing. But it's not. It's actually implementing it. Take with this information and actually implement it. Because it'll make a huge difference. Because you basically have a choice right now. First off, you've been given an opportunity that 99.99999% of people in the world will never get. Right? You're getting access to two legit G's who are giving you this information. Right? We didn't have to make this course. It wasn't about the money. You know, it's, it's really not. I mean, you buying this course did not affect our life in any, in any fucking shape or form. We appreciate it. Thank you. But it doesn't affect us. But this information can completely change your life. And that's what's important because you have a choice now. You now have this information so you can continue on a normal life or you can continue or you can change and switch gears and take the, the path less traveled and take a different route. And it's totally up to you. You might watch all this and say, you know what? It's not for me. I want to work a regular job. I don't want to travel. I don't want to fuck beautiful women. And that's totally cool. Like legitimately, it's totally cool. That's what most of the world's made up of. But is that really what you want? Are you happy? If you're happy, then great. But you're not happy, that's why you got this course. Deep down, you're like, something's missing. I want something more. And most importantly, you probably said, I want to be fucking free. And that's really, to summation of all this is about true fucking freedom. Freedom of money, freedom of where you live, freedom of the women that you choose that you want. Not, well, this girl winked at me and so now I'm gonna go talk to her and, and I guess I'll stay with her for 50 fucking years. No, I like that girl. I'm going to go get her. That is fucking power. Andrew knows a lot of celebrities. I know celebrities. They don't even have that level of fucking gang. I'm dead fucking serious. They literally, well, yeah, but I can't just go up to her. Like, you're a fucking celebrity. If I was world famous and I get recognized everywhere. I was in fucking Cyprus to get recognized. Fucking New York, LA, Vegas, all over the world from my brand, which is crazy. I mean, it's, it's known in the internet world, but like, I'm not on TMZ. I'm not on billboards. But when you have that power, which comes from choice, then you feel like a man. Because you're not going, well, I guess I'll take this and I'll have to settle because I don't have the choice to go get the money I want and to get the girls I want. So, in conclusion, take this information, actually implement it, and when you're living that life of true freedom, hit us up. You know me on Twitter, email me, let me know. I wanna hear your success stories. I wanna hear your victories. And I want to say, I do appreciate you, man. No matter if your parents are mad at you or if your parents said you're a loser or your best friend's being a cunt or your girlfriend's being a cunt, fuck them all. We believe in you. Go out there and get it. Hello. My name is Tristan Tate. Now, you've purchased the Andrew Tate How to Be a G course, so I imagine many of you know who I am. I'm Andrew's younger brother and a very good friend of Christian's. Now, there are very few things about game that you could teach a man like Christian McQueen. However, when guys like us get together, we talk, we exchange tips, and I hit him with the genius way I organize the contacts in my phone. He's now using the same system, and as people who have bought the How to Be a G course, 
he thought I should share it with you. The way I organize my phone is very complex because I'm a man who does a lot of different approaches. I use a lot of dating apps. I meet a lot of women. So I need a way of filing them in a way that I don't lose track. I first developed the system some years ago. What happened was I had approached a beautiful girl. I got her number and I was messaging her very hard on WhatsApp for a day or two. I was then messaging too many other girls, too many other people, and I lost track of her. Nine days later, she hit me with a message. I guess you don't really want to meet up then. No matter how I tried to explain my way out of it and say, baby, it's okay, let's still go out. She said, you've been on WhatsApp for nine days online every day and you haven't written me once. You're obviously a player. I'm tired of guys like you and I never met her again. The way I organize my phone is based on three different elements. One, the priority of the girl in question, how important she is to me. Now this is either based on looks or her commitment level to you. Your main chick and your girlfriends, for example, are more important than the girls you'll call late night after the club. The second element is the name. Now the name isn't just what their name is. For example, here in Romania, Andrea is a very popular name. My phone has seven Andreas in it, so you need a way of knowing which Andrea is which. The third is the location. It's good to know where the girls in your phone are located. For example, if you go to a city once every six months or once every three months, it's good to know who you have in that city that you could potentially meet up with. If I were to store a contact in my phone, this is how it's done. First, a number between one and three. The number between one and three is the girl's priority. For example, when I wake up every morning, I press one in my phone book and all the girls that appear with the number one next to their name are the ones I message first thing. The, hey baby, I was, had a dream about you last night. I hope to see you real soon. Now these are your main chicks, your girlfriends, the girls that you really love banging and you see three or four times a week. These are your ones. Your twos are the girls that you care about but not as much as your number ones. The girls who think you're busier than you are, but you see once every 10 days, every two weeks. There's something about her you really appreciate and you really like, but she's never gonna be a main chick. When a two sends you a message, you reply to a two immediately, but you don't necessarily have to message her every morning when you wake up. You have to take care of your twos because you don't wanna lose them because they matter to you somewhat, but you don't have to maintain them constantly like you do with your most important girls. Your threes are the kind of girls that you call after a night out. It's five o'clock, you're in the club, you're bored, that's when you message your threes. If they message you at a time like that, reply. But a three is not so important that when she messages you, she can instantly demand your time. You manage your threes on your own terms. When you get bored and you're sitting on your phone for three hours waiting at the airport, message your ones, twos, and threes. Keep all your girls entertained, keep all of them interested. Now this priority system would have stopped me from making the mistake that I made with that girl. I would have saved her as a one because she was stunningly hot. I was actively pursuing her and trying to bang her. So for those nine days that I ignored her, she would have got a good morning message every single morning. Saving a girl's name is very important to do correctly. And there are many girls who have the same name. If you do a lot of approaches and you're trying to meet lots of different women, you're going to encounter some girls that you don't even remember meeting, especially when you're out in clubs drunk. So when you save their contact details, make it as clear as you like. What I like to do 
is her name followed by her Instagram handle, so I can always check how hot she is and follow up on how good she looks to make sure that my eyes weren't deceiving me after 20 bottles of vodka. The girl's name is Andrea, for example, her Instagram tag, or Andrea the blonde I met in this club. That's the way to save your girl's names. That way you can't make a mistake and you can't do what I've done, Christian has done, and Andrew have done many times before, which is confuse a girl for somebody else. You instantly lose them. The third most important thing to put when you're saving a contact in your phone is the city name. Now this takes a very long time for it to actually become useful, but as you slowly build up your contacts list as a man who travels and does approaches worldwide like me, you slowly accumulate a list of girls in various cities. So if there are cities you visit once every six months or once every three months, me, Marbella, for example, I can go to Marbella, type Marbella into my phone book, and the six or seven numbers I have in Marbella will appear. You can then hit that girl with a, hey babe, just came to Marbella, you're the first person I thought of. She'll reply, oh my god, I didn't know you still remembered me. Doesn't matter if you remembered her. You know she lives in Marbella because the contact is saved as Marbella. So to recap, every time you save a girl's number in your phone, if I'm in New York City and I approach a beautiful brunette named Samantha, she's not that good looking, but I definitely want to see her if I'm there, I'd save her as 3Samantha, her Instagram handle, and New York City. When I'm in New York six months down the line and I type New York City, I can see Samantha's number is there. If Samantha was a 10 out of 10 gorgeous girl who lived here in my city of Bucharest, I'd save her as one Samantha Bucharest. That way, every day when I wake up, I type number one in my phone, Samantha appears along with my other priority girls, the girls I have, the girls I badly want, and she gets messaged every single day. There's no chance I'll forget her. Disclaimer, the one, two, and three, depending on the operating system of your phone, you have to be careful. With my phone, the Tonino Lamborghini, typing the number one comes up with my contacts that start with one. I do realize that with some phones, if you press one, it will start to dial a number one or show every number with a one in it, in which case you simply save it as O-N-E, phonetically spell the number one, two, and three, but it is the same system. Whether you're new to the game of approaching and dating multiple women, or it's something you already do, I hope you find this system useful. Thanks for listening. I get asked a lot how to grow an Instagram page, and I think the different social medias have very different, there's very different objectives and very different advantages to, to growing each one of them. For example, I became quite big on Twitter. I started Twitter with 1,000 followers. I got to 12,000 followers in like three weeks, and then I got to 45,000 followers in two months, and then I got banned. But that's because I'm an exceptionally hilarious individual. But Twitter, all it, it does gain you perhaps monetary contacts and political con conversations and a shitload of hate, a whole bunch of people who hate you. But in general, I mean, unless you're really making money from Twitter, having a large Twitter following, I mean, yeah, you can make some money from it, but I don't think it's as beneficial as having a large Instagram following, because a large Instagram following leads to girls, and pussy is, is one of the best things on the planet. Um, that's why a lot of you join this course. A lot of you want to have more money, more girls. So you could, your Twitter account has to be for your money, and your Instagram account has to be for your girls. You're not getting girls from Twitter. Absolutely not. So how to grow an Instagram following. Growing a Twitter following is very much about what you say, so I can't coach you how to do that. The reason mine grew so fast is because I'm the fucking man, uh, and the way I think and the way I write it, etc., etc. But an Instagram following is gonna happen absolutely not really by default if you follow every other lesson in this video course. If you start making a load of money, 
and you have nice cars and you start traveling the world with your multiple passports and you start taking pictures with hot girls and going to cool places, you're gonna have a large Instagram following. There really isn't too big a secret to it besides that. My Instagram following isn't massive. I mean, I'm, I know there's people with loads and loads and loads. I've got 25,000 followers. It's not a huge deal, but it's enough. I probably say two or three random girls a day inbox my Instagram and just say some shit. And the reason for that is because they look at my lifestyle and it emulates a lifestyle that they'd like to have. So they probably just slept with their boyfriend. They're about to go to work in Starbucks. They don't want to go to work. They're scrolling through Instagram. They stumble upon me. They see my lifestyle and they think, oh, fucking hell, this guy looks like he has fun. Because if you look like you have fun, you attract women. All women want is fun. So by portraying a life of fun, you're going to attract females. And that's what your Instagram should be for. You have to make your life look fun. And that's going to become very easy if you follow the other lessons in this course. One thing I would say is have your Instagram on private. The reason for that is, is because unless you're a super hot girl, super hot girls have a completely different Instagram mechanism to a man. But to a man, there's going to be a lot of people who look at your life and spy on it, but they don't want to follow you. They just want to have a little look and then they get bored. If you have it on private, they have to give you that follow to find out what's going down. So I have mine private for that reason. I gain a lot more followers when mine's on private because people are curious and people are nosy. But in general, you need to portray an image of fun. When your Instagram account's on private, hashtags don't matter because people can't search the hashtag because your account's private. None of that shit matters. All that really matters is you have a life of fun, you keep it private, People will tell their other people, some will follow you and say, have you seen this guy's account? No, da, 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 and then they'll go and follow you from there. So really it's about the pictures you take. There's no secret to Instagram besides the pictures you take. And the pictures you take are gonna become fantastic because you're gonna follow everything else in this course. You're gonna climb a mountain that you've never climbed before. You're gonna do some crazy shit. It's gonna be you and 10 girls wherever, wherever, and you're gonna take a cool picture. Um, another thing though, there's no perfect algorithm to anything. If you're too show off on Instagram, you are gonna lose some girls. You are gonna piss some people off. You can't go through the world pleasing everybody. You really can't go through the world pleasing everybody. We're wrapping up now. We've been doing all these videos and I've kind of tried to reiterate over and over again about how you should, how to be a G, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. If you start living this way, everyone's gonna give you hate. Like everyone's gonna hate you. But there's no way in life to get anywhere without being hated. The only way you can not be hated is if you say nothing and do nothing and have no opinion. But then is that life worth living? No. It doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter if you say the, sky, the earth is round. There's gonna be someone out there who hates you for it. There's a whole group of the flat earthers. They think you're wrong. So anything you achieve or anywhere you go in life, you're going to attract hate. You're going to attract people who dislike you. The most important thing is just to really be above all that shit. Um, I, was, I was exceptionally good at that on Twitter. Exceptionally good. When, when I was saying the things I was saying, people were sending me thousands. I got hundreds of thousands of replies on some of my tweets of pure hate, wishing me the worst possible things, insulting my dead father, anything they could think of to try and bother me. I never gave a fuck. I don't, it doesn't affect me. I don't care. And that's how you need to be. So you think about growing an Instagram following, you're gonna put some cool pictures up and there's gonna be a whole bunch of people who give you hate, good. Because if someone's going out of their, if someone's going out of their way to bother responding to a picture of your life, you've emotionally affected them. So you, right now, you've emotionally affected them. You've won the exchange. If they emotionally affect you back, which is their intention, then it's 50-50. But if you just read it and laugh and don't give a shit, like, oh, whatever, then you won. You have space in their brain, they don't have space in your brain. That's how it works. So there is no key to growing an Instagram following. In fact, a very good measurement of how well you've implemented the rules and laws and, and, and videos from this course is how your Instagram account starts to grow. If you've, if you've implemented everything properly and you're starting to get more likes and people are starting to look at your life and think, wow, this looks cool, this looks cool, it's starting to go up, then you're gonna to start to see, well, you know, that's a very easy, quantifiable, you know, I'm not saying it's the only thing that matters, but it's, it's, it's absolutely an added bonus to living a life worth living. Because everyone wants to live a life worth living, and that's what Instagram's for. People scroll through it and they look at other people's lives and everyone's lives looks perfect. Well, it's your turn to have a life that looks perfect. And it hasn't got to be perfect, it's just got to be really fun for small periods of time and make sure you snap a photo.
So, for context, for everyone watching the video, today's the day the Trump balloon goes up in London. So, in London, there's a huge uh, anti Trump demonstration. Right. Because Trump's visiting. Right. And they wanted to put up a huge blimp of Trump as a baby. Uh, and a lot of people were saying it's not constitutional, and why would you do that the American president? Da, 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 da. Yeah. And Sadiq Khan, the London mayor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sadiq Cuck Khan. Yeah, Cuck Khan. Because he's so anti Trump, he provoked them and endorsed them to put up a huge balloon of Trump in London. And there was a big de 